everybody, welcome to Frame Trap. I'm your host, Ben Moore. Today on the panel, I've got one Mr. Michael Damiani rocking the easy hat. Word as for always. Wore it for this special occasion. Oh, nice. I've been nice. wearing it this whole week, but. You rock it just well. for a day. Okay. Yeah. Bradley Ellis. Hi. Anime. Cool. Michael Huber. For a good time. I hear you're a big Make Iron Fist a... fan. Uh, no. No? <laughs> Haven't started it. Don't, down, Haven't started don't it? downplay it. I'm excited about it. We know you've been watching I it. Watch, I haven't watched one episode. We know you've been watching it. I have not watched one episode. <laughs> you've got some conflicting opinions on Iron Fist. I no, th- th- it's a, it's one of those things. It's, I love Twitter sometimes because <laughs> I love it sometimes. I love Twitter sometimes because I I like going on there and being like, hey, what does everyone think of Iron Fist? Because I haven't started it yet, so I wanted like a quick gauge of like where everyone's at. Yeah, and it was all over the place. Yeah. Which, uh, which is you exciting. were reading through them, yeah. and it was. I think it's great. The Rotten Tomatoes is wrong. The Rotten yeah. Tomatoes score is wrong, or it's terrible. It's Don't trash. watch this garbage. I love it. everything in between. Yeah, it's uh, okay. What I like about Michael Huber on Twitter, my, at Michael P Huber, by the way, at Michael P Huber, is sometimes I get on Twitter and it's like, man, everybody's just trying to out snark each other. Everybody's trying to out clever each other. Mm-hmm. That's not the Michael Huber approach. No, no, no. no it's just pure sincerity. It's just. Yeah. Hashtag Shenmue 3. That might Hashtag just be Shenmue a tweet 3. at 3 in the morning. Update 65. Yeah. With a link. Right. Yeah. You just want the people yeah. to know. Didn't, wasn't there just a new I update that. on that? Yeah, update number 65. Yeah, 65, okay. QTE oh. video. Like, oh my God, I got chills. Uh, I got chills. There's like Dab- a there's a picture. Sorry, there's a no, picture. There's like a video <laughs> on the on the begins. There's a video like off-screen cam footage of like Rio like moving a chair out of the way, <laughs> and I'm just like, that's oh. the demo. <laughs> it's exciting though. Yeah, it is. It's existing. Yeah. And, like, the best part about the video, too, is, like, seeing the team in high spirits. Mm. Everyone's just, like, laughing, like, having a good time. Yeah. Like, that's the kind of game I want to play, where the devs are, like, stoked. Passion Project. Yes. I think applies here. Yeah. Uh, Michael Damiani, when you arrived on the scene to record this frame trap, which we were supposed to record an hour ago, but we had to get some things sorted out, you grabbed a Sapporo and... Went to San Sapporo beer, and then Huber and I grabbed one, and we're currently drinking them. So I think it is going to be yeah. an extra <laughs> loose podcast. Uh, so forewarning, let's get started with the show. Let's not beat around the bush. Around. D- Damiani, I'm going to ask you, what have you been playing? Mm. And I think you are probably going to tell me something very specific. Am I right? Maybe. 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 What have you been playing? Maybe I've been playing The Legend of Zelda. Oh. Oh, I didn't expect that. The original. Underground I didn't hit. say which one. Oh. NES? All of them. All. Wand of Gamelon, right. here we come. That's right. I've been playing the time- All of them. The game, the timeline. No, Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild. And what has been really heartening for me is there are sometimes you review a game, not you specifically, but I think just as reviewers where you just play so much of it in a short amount of time to try to get out a timely review, that when you're done, you're like, okay, I really enjoyed that or I didn't enjoy that, but I'm happy to put it on the shelf. Mm-hmm. You've been still hungrily plucking away at Breath of the Wild. Yeah. I'd say 70 hours is about the amount of time I went into mm-hmm. the game mm-hmm. before writing that review. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, just north of like 120 plus hours now in that game. Which uh, 100% completion percent sits at just over 30% right now. We were doing the math in chat today during uh, my Fire Emblem stream. Like, you could be here for 500 hours. Wait, you're 30% completed to Like, to, towards the 100% completion? Yeah. I've only done 31 point something percent. Like, there you go. My God. <laughs> so, Damiani, my, my question you is... You will be here for life. This is, your, this is the game for life right yeah. now. See you in 10 years. Do you want to go for 100%? No, no. Okay. I, I, I beat it as well, and I'm... I'm you're out. I'm content for okay. now. Yeah, yeah. I'm not content, but Damiani, my question for you is, as somebody who is going after 100%, uh, sometimes with open world games, and especially if you go with 100%, you, let's say you eat all the fun and you're just left with kind of the work. Do you feel that way with Breath of the Wild where what you're doing is not that engaging or you're still having those moments of magic? I'm I'm still having the moments of magic. Good. There was something the other day that I just didn't believe I hadn't seen that yet. I was like, what? How have I not seen this yet? Mm-hmm. Like, this is... It's, game is constantly throwing things at me that I didn't know I were in the game yet but there is starting to be a little bit more of side quest or activities that I'm not seeing in as positive of a light as before okay. I feel Ooh. that they are I'm starting to approach the the level of TDM where I just stop and say I don't know if that was really that good actually that this quest I just did I, I'm actually getting annoyed by this quest I think I think this quest could have been axed. Could have act, that this could have been 008 percent towards that one hundred percent. They could have cut that out. Trim the fat. Trim yeah. um, it. Dummy, I want to actually dig into that a little bit deeper. But once again, before we get into specifics, I want to say to our audience, I want to extend you the courtesy. This is the part where we're talking about Breath of the Wild, and unlike the last time, I do want to be a little bit more specific in what we're talking about. So if you're still going through the game, if you don't want anything discussed. Uh, please feel free to skip. There are timestamps in the description so you can fast forward to the part of the show where you want. Uh, so these things, Damiani, drilling into it. What, now that you're post-review, post that initial 70 hours, what are the things that aren't as favorable to you? I mean, they're just specific quests, like side quests that were optional. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it feels like a lot of them, the majority of them, are, were dumped on me with how I played through the game. Mm-hmm kind of after the fact and that's how they're trying to that's one of the ways they're trying to encourage me to come back to the world mm-hmm. one of them was track down an npc that might have ended up in exposition in the world and you should just but they could have been somewhere else so go explore these giant areas and try and find this one npc and i was just like going around this area I for about that, one or two hours at first i was like yes i love it it's like i have no idea this is gonna take forever but after about like this like Second search of the area. I spent maybe three or four hours in total going through various zones and areas mm-hmm. to just try and maybe see if the NPC went this way, went that way. And at the end, I just okay, chat. I'm gonna. Ask, I was doing this on stream. I go chat. Just give me a clue. Is it actually in this area I've been in for like two hours? And they're like, yes, they're there. I'm like, are you kidding me? I've like searched everywhere here, and the nature of this area didn't seem like it'd be that hard to find them. So. I was went around again, and I just happened to come across them in a spot I'd been searching for a lot. Because this game, I don't know if it's been pointed out enough by other people, the game's NPCs adhere to the same time uh, schedule that was present in Majora's Mask. Mm. They do act on schedules. At different times of day, they'll be doing different activities. And Shenmue. And what? <laughs> Plug. The only two games. Yeah. That have done. The only yeah. two games, yeah. yeah. Only two. 
that NPC only showed up in a certain that certain spot between a certain time of window. Mm-hmm. In such a huge area, you're gonna like other people who found it sooner must have just been lucky and been there at the right time. So that's, you're talking about the Fang and Bone or no? Something no, else? no, Fang and Bone wasn't that bad. I'm talking okay. about finding someone in a giant lake. Okay. Uh, an NPC might have washed down that way, down a whole river that covers hmm. half the map. To, uh, <laughs> I haven't done that yet. To, to jump in here, do you think because now that you finished the game and you're going for completion, it's more artificial and mathematical? Because what I love about the, the side quests in Zelda mm-hmm. are the fact that when you get something like from a character that's saying like, yo, I got separated from you know, my wife or someone like she, it was in this area. Like I have that information now and I'm still going about like my main quest. And it's like, if I'm in that area Mm -hmm. with that knowledge, it's like, I'm kind of doing a little extra search, being a little more thorough, but I'm still kind of like going on my main quest. I'm not being like, dumped onto a, like a, a quest marker of like oh she's right there like yeah, so many games yeah, do they don't do that it, at all like, I, I like how ambiguous it yeah. is the, the, the saving grace of that ambiguity and I totally agree with you is a lot of times every time I would say that I play Zelda what ends up happening is I'll go after something like oh I want to try to find the location of this photograph or I want to head in the direction of the shrine of this tower. And along the way, I will have so many moments where it's like, I wonder if I lift up this rock, if something's going to be there. I wonder if I climb up to the top of the thing, if something's going to be there. Yeah. I wonder if I throw this stone into this hoop, if something's going to happen. And every time yeah, something I was, happens. I was just thinking like, yes, it does happen every time. Every time. And so it just, you, because there's so much other stuff that happens along the way, me like having to kind of stumble in the dark to get to that objective is not as annoying mm-hmm. as I thought it would be mm-hmm. uh, in most instances. So yeah. yeah, there's just so there's so much stuff. There's so much stuff. And yeah, not I, I, I think from a completionist's perspective, it would be a nightmare. But I like that I'm not being pulled in a direction, and mm-hmm. that like that is why I'm obsessed with this game, and I adore it. Is because so many of the side quests are just like. Hey, like, there's a guy over in that area, or like, hey, there's some like buried treasure on the mm-hmm. on an island in the east, but that's all I really know. Sure, I love that because I wasn't feeling like, okay, now I got all these side quests, you know, side quest anxiety. You were talking about the other day. Right. It's like, all right, I don't, I, I have all these side quests. I don't want to like systematically check them off. It's like I'm just gonna kind of go in the general flow of the wind and the wild. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I also like. <clears throat> I like, and I, I am, but I'm also a little cautious about this because I, there are times where you will do something that is an objective for a side quest that you haven't even got yet, and just because you're exploring and you do something, come across some kind of puzzle thing, it's like, what is this? And that's the beauty of this game, and it lets you do it right then and there and reap the rewards usually mm-hmm. for that. But then there'll be times when I've done that, gone to talk to an NPC in some other place, and they were the trigger for a proper quest that actually mm. would have sent you to go do that. And then there's a, supposedly was some story behind it, but it's automatically complete right then and there and you get the credit for it. So I love that flexibility, but at the same time, I also wonder that there was any kind of like narrative richness lost from that. That mm. if you did it the other way, if you'd encounter the NPC first, mm. Which you've also gotten another layer of satisfaction from you're driven through the like narrative elements by that character, like their their story, their plea to you, mm-hmm. versus you just happened across it in the world and did it for it was interesting. I, I guess it it's 
yeah, it's interesting and it's mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to reconcile sometimes, but it's just so good how it's implemented that I I, I kind of want to say it's only a positive. Like I, I have a hard time finding negativity in that. Uh, yeah, I ran into an instance where that happened to me. Like I needed to get a photo of something, and on the way I saw something when I was going there, and I just took a picture because I thought it looked cool. Mm-hmm. Then the guy's like, "Hey, give me a picture of this." Then he just goes. Oh, you already have it. Yeah. Cool. And I was like, that's whoa. Too. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that. I also think it serves to remind people that it's not the game is not so aimless as you think. Like, just mm-hmm. go out and explore. Mm-hmm. They actually did leave NPCs and clues there that will direct you if you happen to find them. Just mm-hmm. This game's so huge. It feels like a needle in a haystack sometimes you get to find does. that right clue or anything like that. But they did consider that fact and still drop them in there for you to still find as well. So mm-hmm. then they covered mm-hmm. all these different like layers of the game to make sure that the player could approach it from so many different and ways. And the fact that every single thing in that game is meaningful. Everything you get from like little apples on a tree yep. to the Korok seeds, to the spirit orbs, to every single weapon and armor and arrow, everything you get in that game is valuable and means something. Mm-hmm. Like never am I yep. picking something up like this is trash, 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 trash. Like even like, money no. mattered this time. Oh man, is money, money matters, economy, yeah. baby. <laughs> One of the best economies I've ever experienced in a video game, period. Because things are so expensive. There's a, like one of the shrines, you can, or one of the uh, the beasts, because mm-hmm. you can do them kind of mm-hmm. out of order. Mm-hmm. The um, the Roto one is like kind of high in the mountain, so it's like you need cold protection. Right. So it's like, yo, maybe you should buy this like big cold resistant outfit. And it's like, you buy the whole thing, it's like 4,000 rupees or like 3,000 rupees. It's like really expensive. Mm-hmm. It's like, dude, I saved for like, days trying to get that much yeah. i'm gonna spend it all on just this one outfit that i'll probably just use for this one section it's like you really gotta think about what you're buying the the lack of predictability <laughs> affects the economy so much because in every zelda game there's a point where it's like i have enough money for anything that i want and i know that i'm going to get the items that i need at the appropriate predetermined time for the most part uh whereas here there are times where i'm like should I buy these arrows for 60 rupees or should yeah. I save them for some sweet yeah. armor in yeah. some area, some shop that I'm going to find? And and because that because that you, you have to go and discover each thing piece by piece and you don't know what's going to be there, you kind of have that moment of, of – and it makes that decision, those small decisions that in other RPGs are just so trivial. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's – It harkens really back to the – some of the older games. I think yeah, only it does. only the original Zelda and A Link to the Past, I feel, had like that importance, of, maybe Link's Awakening, had that mm-hmm. importance of economy where money mattered a lot in those games. Mm-hmm. And especially in Zelda 1 because how cryptic it was, you didn't really know if something is what you actually needed or not. You need, some things you didn't even know what they even did if you didn't read the manual. But Random, uh, yeah. random syndrome I had, uh, Damiani. I was like playing you know, like near the end of the game and I was just thinking in my mind, I was like, Jeez, the ocarina is really powerful. <laughs> like a powerful artifact, yeah. you know? But I don't know. Time travel, dude. Yeah, just a random thought I had, like playing through this game, because like it's pretty grounded in terms of like, you know, weapons yeah. and items and stuff. Yeah, there's not. Well, I mean, there's fantastical beast in this game and stuff, but mm-hmm. this felt lo- lo- lower on the high fantasy totem pole in the Zelda series. Mm-hmm. There was obviously the technology angle, which. Mm-hmm. Said like far more technology stuff than any of the previous Zelda games, in my mm-hmm, opinion. Mm-hmm. But 
it was less on the, the, the fantasy end of it, I feel. Um, I, I don't know how you, any of you actually felt about it. I, I think it was cool I had technology in here. Um, I kind of would like them to go back to more like magic and stuff like that. Like oh, the, sure. That, but I still think <clears throat> they did a really good job with what they had in this game. What, what, sorry, what they presented. Mm-hmm. Um, Wait, are you talking about like items or story elements? Like um, guardians and I'm stuff? I'm talking about like the, yeah, like the, the, the guardians, the... The some of the, not necessarily the items, but like the enemies, like the, the he, yeah. yeah, sure. Here's kind of the problem that I have with the guardians and the technology aspect yeah. is I held off for I feel like about as long as I could to do any of the divine beasts because I was doing a bunch of shrines, I was exploring the world, and I was feeling incredibly fulfilled and having a grand old time. And then I was like, I, I built it up in my mind. I was like, I can't wait to get into one of these divine beasts and have that like sprawling really intricate zelda dungeon experience Mm -hmm. and then about 20 minutes later Mm -hmm. i got done with the divine beast and i'm like that was fine yeah which wasn't it wasn't aggressively bad but it didn't it didn't leave a mark the way that i was expecting it to yeah Uh, for my point what was your first dungeons that you did i'm kind of curious so brad said i did the worst one first the bird yeah i didn't like that 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 one was probably the shortest of my it's really short yeah I did the Elf? The Rudo? The Zora one. Zora, I did Zora. Me too. Me too. Yeah. All right. I would say that's probably like the second easiest one. I like the one where you you turned the three in the middle. That's the 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 desert. Yeah, I like that one too. The desert one's cool. That was my favorite. I I feel like that one is the most complicated. Yeah, Yeah, that one was. Yeah, for Um, sure. I I feel like the game does kind of how the story progresses kind of in slightly nudges you towards the Zora one, I feel. like that's It what, is. It that's does. What they do. It does. For whatever reason, I ended up at the desert one first. And I, I, I feel like that's a, like a interesting one. I won't explain the specific mechanics about it. Yeah. But remember, that took me just the longest. I yeah. thought that was setting the bar. I was like, oh, man, these might actually, you know, yeah. be real proper dungeons. And I agree in terms of I feel like these were kind of probably the weakest dungeons of the 3D Zeldas mm-hmm. when judged standalone not mm-hmm. within the context of the game i also felt they were severely lacking in atmosphere and personality yep, yep. Uh, people yep. are gonna be like they're giant divine beasts they have dungeon mechanics well the it, dungeon cook is cool yeah but like think about think back to some of the coolest temples like think about snow peak uh, yeah. ruins mm-hmm. like of twilight princess the of mansion the best nothing even remotely closely approaches like that creativity even the classics like the forest temple the fire temple you only give it something as simple as that so i yeah. i don't know if you felt the same way about that but absolutely. I, I, absolutely i was it was, I was only, missing that it yeah. was the biggest yep let down of the whole the whole game the, uh, the, yeah the whole game as a massive whole obviously incredible yeah but uh i definitely wanted more out of the divine beasts um I, and I think part of that problem is because pretty much every time you go to a shrine, aesthetically the same thing is kind of going on. And I think mentally you're kind of going through it. And like these are these little challenges. These are these bite-sized things. And so you're expecting when you do the Divine Beasts for them to feel dramatically different the way that temples vary in a Zelda game. But they're kind of just more elaborate shrines. And so yep. I think that also contributes to the, the, the lack of grandeur, if you will. Right. I will say... Uh, in the defense of the Divine Beast, I actually love, not love, that's too strong of a word. I like the build-up 
to uh, doing yeah, it, yeah, yeah. those little storylines yeah. that yes. they go through without spoiling mm-hmm. Oh, anything. sure, yeah. That, I actually yeah. think some of that stuff that, was pretty well presented. Yeah, that owes a lot to Majora's Mask, well, no, in my opinion, too. Mm-hmm. That, that was the yes. same way they set up those dungeons. There was only way. really one other big thing that bothered me, and it was, it? it was the Divine Beast bosses. Okay. Again, yeah, again, bosses. lacking personality. Oh, yeah, know. like they, yeah. Yeah, I mean, can we really? Is that? Can I spoil that? I, I mean, it's just yeah. don't say what they are, it's but like just maybe like, just yeah, talk in general. You can yeah. talk mechanics maybe, but okay. don't say who they are. I yeah, just yeah. wanted more personality and like very variety. I guess mm-hmm. it's because bosses usually felt like they kind of belonged mm-hmm. in that area. They had some sort of history with it. Yeah. Because yeah. like like, yeah, the, the, yeah, like the, the the mansion again, Twilight Princess. Like you have uh, the wife who is the boss. Yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah. Yes. Or you, yeah like, but think of. Yeah, go ahead. I also think, in, in not to really excuse it because I agree with you, I too was underwhelmed. But in previous Zeldas, because of the linearity and because it's like they knew you would get these things in these dungeons, they could make it more of a puzzle, mm-hmm. and so it felt more specific, I guess. Whereas the bosses that I fought in Zelda thus far, it's kind of just like I'm whittling down your health in a very similar way. And therefore, it's not quite as distinct and special, yeah. um, just because of the open nature of the game. Yeah, there was no like Gearheim or like Ganondorf like driving right. the plot. Where you like for me, you, you have know? that moment in the game, and you're like, "This is gonna stick with me." Yeah, be- and I'm not gonna do something quite like this mm-hmm. again. I will say yeah. about the bosses, I did like that because you were giving your arsenal so early. There wasn't that stupid hook of you found an item within that now dungeon yeah, and it's yeah. gonna be used against the boss. <laughs> yeah. So it was like there was one boss in particular that it I had to experiment a little bit to figure out how to break its defense. And, and none of you have mentioned that dungeon yet, so that's good. Yeah. Oh, I think I yeah. understand you're talking about. Um, but yeah, the the, the dungeons. Yeah, I, I think that's somewhere they could shoot for like next time. You know, yeah. for if they want to improve like, on that. If they could get the open world again like this and just improve upon the dungeons. Because yeah. the uh, the Yiga, Yiga? Yeah. The Yiga clan was like my favorite thing in oh, this whole game. The, you mean infiltrating? Absolutely my favorite. Because oh. it oh. had... And they just pop out, dude. They pop out so Naruto, <laughs> like it, freaking it, bomb shurikens, <laughs> like mm-hmm. running like it, this. like it. Oh, it's such a smart thing to include in the game. And not, not other games have done something like this as well but when you talk to people even out on the road occasionally mm-hmm. it will lead to very interesting things and yeah. so you're kind of conditioned as a player to go and talk to everybody and then you have those moments and they'll even like tease you along with them it's not like immediately yeah. it turns into a the the bad like clan member lost. right or like oh i love bananas <laughs> and i'm gonna kill you yeah, yeah. that was that was a great quirk yeah because uh, that was like shades of like Twilight Princess, like a man, the Mansion, or like kind of shades of a classic style, you know, group of characters culminating in kind of a dungeon style thing mm-hmm. with its own personality. Yeah, like it was kind of cool. They built them up in the game, their their mythology and stuff, yeah. mm-hmm. like being yeah. a, a rival clan of the of the Sheikah and stuff, mm-hmm. and the, having their base and all that stuff. It was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. It came yeah. came out of nowhere, but it was still cool. Um, I want to say one last thing in defense of the dungeons. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But not to, uh, I feel the shrines do such a good job in terms of presenting what I thought were some of the best individual puzzles. Yeah. Not all of them were Definitely. winners, um, but there were some really good ones. 
uh, <laughs> in that game. Yep. And I feel the the shrine concept, the freedom to just have one dedicated puzzle, what, rather than having to think about an elaborate dungeon layout and how mm -hmm. those puzzles connect, yep. gave them that freedom. Mm -hmm. And they it wasn't they did like the traditional type puzzles, the physics based puzzles. Mm -hmm. They went wild with the physics. The like mini in there. golf. Yeah. And then the and then like you know that is one of my favorite. Ones. The combat yeah. ones were probably the weakest for yeah, me. Yeah, just the combat challenges. Just but I like they that were, they're there. I like I that do, they're there. Yes, I I'm agree. Always I agree. down for some combat trials. Well, <laughs> like, I feel there are too many of them, and they all feature the same enemy. Yeah. Eventually, exactly. you don't get any variety. Like I was thought, like oh, am I gonna get a new boss or something? Yeah. Kind of a missed opportunity there. But mm -hmm. the fact they exist is not my problem. The fact that they get so re they actually become repetitive yeah. compared to yeah. any of the puzzle ones. Like anytime I saw like something that didn't say a something test of you know minor major test of strength, I was like, yeah. yes, here we go. And some of them, oh, some of them were really yeah, good. Yeah, I'm glad. Go ahead. I just I just want to say one of the biggest worries I had before this game came out was over a hundred shrines. You know, I was like, oh my goodness, is this just gonna be like filler? Really, like Ubisoft yeah. open world. Oh, oh, I everyone yeah. shits on Ubisoft open world. I'm sorry, but it's like their maps are always so cluttered, you know. And, and I was worried that it was going to be all quantity over quality and and just filler. And boy, was I wrong I, because every time I found a shrine, every yeah. time I attempted to complete a shrine, and every time I completed a shrine, all of that was mm -hmm. was so rewarding. It was so engaging. And it was just so fun to figure those out. I don't think every shrine is a winner, but more often than not, there's a with shrines. There's a moment that I'm having. I'm like, how did you even think of this? This is such a smart <laughs> mm -hmm. and fun challenge to go through. Um, and another thing that I like from a design perspective that I want to talk about is. Playing Zelda for long stretches of time, there'd be a lot of moments in a shrine where I'd be like, I know there's a treasure chest in here. <laughs> and I like how uh, pretty often they would make that optional treasure chest kind of correlated to the, the primary puzzle that you're doing, but just like one step above. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And most of the time, 90% of the time, I would want to do that and would feel really satisfied mm -hmm. doing that extra optional thing. But sometimes I would just go on through yeah. and, and having that kind of baked into the design really helped kind of the flow of my, I think it was good too. Cause those chests often contained valuable items too. Like a lot of the machine yeah. parts Silver and stuff. rupees? Oh yeah. Gear. Yeah. Or Some gear. Like gear. Really good gear. Oh yeah. yeah. Like Some the climbing gear. set. Every, all that. Every single shrine I completed, I would always check around back. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's a bunch of like that. <laughs> yeah. Like, yep. right? Oh yeah. yeah and yeah. there was never a chest. Yeah. I thought. Never. Yeah, yeah. I did yeah. it like sixty times. They knew yeah. you were coming. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, damn it. Another thing that I, I want to talk about with this game. Hold on. Can I bring something up about the shrines real quick before yes, we move on? Yes, absolutely. Please. I liked a lot of the the side quests to find the shrines. Actually. Oh my god. Dude, the like three trees on the mountain. Yeah, like the three oh. trees on the mountain. There's one where I had to like shoot at the sun yes. at a certain time of the day to make it come Reference out or like stand. Time. Yeah, there. stand on like a pillar, like the blood moon or something like that with no oh, gear on. I, Brad, I refuse to spoil it in great detail for our audience, but I just want to say Eventide Island. Mm -hmm. And not to sink into hyperbole, but I, I think Eventide Island is like 
when I look back on favorite moments of 2017, yeah. that's going to be up there. It's like I haven't even it, been there yet. I, I didn't know that that was a thing that could happen in the world. And then when it happened and that voice came on and that was the challenge it gave me and how long it took to complete mm-hmm. for me. Oh, it was beautiful. Yeah. Ho, 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 ho. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. Are there places, Damian, you said you're what, 100 hours in? Over 100 hours now. Are there any corners of the earth in the game you have not been to? Are there still places you haven't been to? There have been small pockets that yeah. I haven't thoroughly explored. Like the last stream I did, there was the northwest region where I'd only been to part of the mountain area. I had I found a few. Like I, I actually was exploring a part of it I hadn't seen, and I ended up in a part that I had seen before, but only through a mini game. Mm. But I didn't. I because the mini game showed so much of it, I thought I'd seen it all, but I forgot the mini game just resets you back to a spot when you're done. You didn't actually explore that area. So I never just manually walked through it, and there's so much I missed. This was a long, uh, this a snowboarding mini game. So you go down a whole freaking mountain side, and I was like, uh, I actually didn't walk this area. There's so much crap here I didn't mm-hmm. see. It's crazy. Uh, it's cool, and it yeah, it's still happening. Um, something that I think is cool, not just for Zelda, but but was really just remarkable in its own right is there are a lot of environmental puzzles and more formal dungeon. And shrine puzzles where I feel like there are solutions that you can do where it's it, it feels like you're cheating in a super fun way. Mm-hmm. Like you will just like use manipulate the physics or like relentlessly climb or blow something and knock something into something else where it's like I yes. feel like I'm cheating and that's so much it's fun. that portal effect right. the same thing you're like exactly. I don't know if I was supposed to do it that way but I did right and you you think about previous zeldas and they're just they're so rich mm, the there's solutions. like one way to do it you, usually you yeah. have to do it this way and uh that was just liberating i was like playing a shrine here and i was like kyle like brad kyle like i cannot figure this one out like this one has stumped me mm-hmm. and then kyle was like I was like yeah i think you have to like do this and like stop it and and, and i think that's how he's like that's how i did it and then I would like I was like trying to do it and I couldn't do it. So then I ended up doing a completely different way. And he was like, dude, Hubert. I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. brute force, Damiani would be proud. <laughs> <laughs> Just completely did it a different way. I uh I do want to talk about the performance because mm. uh I it is something that is bothering me more than I anticipated Yikes. and is and is more severe than I anticipated, even after you you said and showed that it was very severe. Uh, there are definitely moments where I go to a new area and I'm panning around that camera and it's getting choppy and I'm like, this is definitely taking some of the magic out of the moment. That right there. I, I put it, I said this on a stream earlier this week because I wanted to put it into better words than I did in my review, but I didn't want to spoil it. I will not spoil it for you because I don't think Ben has been to this place yet. I think, so he, I, not, I think he has now. He might have, but I will just be generic or general for audience oh. as well. Oh. There's a certain really... Emotion, should have been an emotional, powerful part yes. of the game where you finally put in this work to solve something, to get to this area, and it's supposed to be the reward for getting through there. And uh, two pivotal things in the game, if you care about story, you're in there. A certain thing, an object, and a certain character. And the introduction, your first impression of the area is this frame rate death. Yeah. You're like, oh, I was, oh, I, oh, I knew no. it, it was referenced in some of the later trailers, so I knew it was going to be in the game somewhere, and when I finally found it, I was like, yes, this is going to be so cool. Every, it just gave me a headache to mm-hmm, look at it. Mm-hmm. It was ruining what should have been such a great moment mm-hmm, for me. Mm-hmm. And I, I, when I go back there each time, I know I'm just going to deal with frame rate crap here. Like, this sucks. I want to spend time here, but 
it's just they didn't get this area right. How how can you do this? I I I know there's instances of it all over the place in different areas. This was the like the biggest immersion breaker for me. Not just because it's a random moment, important moment of the game, and they didn't spend the time to at least fix the frame rate in this area. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's this is bad. Like mm-hmm. you can't. Yeah. Oh yeah. When I was like, when has Zelda had this problem? When has Zelda had frame rate problems to this extent? Just. I know what they're doing something ambitious here. I would give it a pass if it was just like the open or world environment parts, every random force and stuff. But yeah. And the combat one, I will say like during those like freeze ups, I couldn't like change items or anything. There was one part where it didn't freeze up that bad. And I didn't record it. The frame rate dipped so low. I was having to mash buttons to make it <laughs> register my input Jeez. for about a 10 second stretch of combat. I was what? Wait, the game froze when you're fighting? Is that oh, you're that's saying? in the review footage. Oh, okay. But this wasn't freezing. This was something else. The like, frame rate got so low, and the performance had... There was so much before the issue. I was trying to match the sword button in the swing. Oh, my God. And he wouldn't draw the sword. He kept he kept walking. He would. He was walking, walking, walking. Wouldn't draw the sword. And then, like, he finally drew it and, it, like, came out slow. I was like, oh. Yikes. What? Yikes. What? Uh, it, it's frustrating. Because <laughs> I might get a lot of heat for saying this, I suppose, but say it, let it out. Playing Breath of the Wild, I I have this huge smile on my face, and I'm like, holy shit! They have so many ideas. This is this is. Th- there is something here. I feel a desire to play this all of the time because you are constantly wowing me. I wish you had the tech behind you to have oh, the yeah. full justice of, course, of these of course, ideas. Yeah. And it's, I, but this is not the first time this has happened. Okay, playing Xenoblade Chronicles on the Wii, I'm like, you've got an amazing world. I just want more power. Mm-hmm. Xenoblade Chronicles X, similar situation. Mm-hmm. Skyward Sword, similar situation. And it's Nintendo makes amazing games. I think we're all comfortable saying how much we love Breath of the Wild. I just... Not to make a... Go ahead. Was Resident Evil Remake and Zero and 4 just a flash in the pan? Or was, like, GameCube really powerful? Yeah, GameCube was a powerhouse. When they broke them apart. Beautiful. Original Xbox was the most powerful graphically. Then GameCube, then PS2. Mm -hmm. GameCube was really close to Xbox. So they they were at parity. Then why, after that, are they... Because GameCube did so poorly, they needed yeah. an answer, and they went with Wii. And, and Wii was just like a slightly more powered GameCube with motion controls. It's just, I, it's just I don't understand the like lack of tech jump from GameCube to Wii. Pricing. It, from Wii to Wii. I, I, yeah, yeah. I, I, hashtag business, but like, <laughs> the, the it's, Im- just, it, it's ridiculous. The important part of this argument is not, oh man, I want everything to look in. Yeah. Like, what, I just want it to serve the game. I just don't I want, want my shit to chop. I want the technology <laughs> and the ideas to match up, yeah. right? Because oh, yeah. when I'm when I'm playing, say Shovel Knight, I'm not going. Yeah. Oh, I wish this looked like Horizon Zero Dawn because it's going. It's very clearly going for a very different scope, mm-hmm. and that's great. And it's not distracting me when I'm playing. But when I'm getting those moments where the game is just freezing, yeah. or very clearly isn't up to the technical snuff of of the scope and scale that it's trying to present that's where the disconnect comes in that's yeah. where the issue comes in because the wild looks beautiful it does i love the right. way it looks and it, and it should be commended for how it looks because mm-hmm. the style oh that my they god chose, it's gorgeous yeah love the way it looks yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, it's the first game i've smelled <laughs> 
right. I smell the grass. <laughs> what did you smell specifically? Grass? Smell the grass, baby. Okay. Just Hyrule oh. Field. Baked just apples. Smell it. The oh. sun shining. Yeah. Something I want to talk about uh, specifically with you is the way towns feel. Oh, God. Because I know. how it's hit me is. I know. You will. It's Dragon Quest Eight levels of magic. Disneyland Dragon Quest Eight vibes. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like the, mm-hmm. the the individual personalities of each of the townsfolk yeah. are really well done. Yep. They feel it was alive. They feel alive, and the use of music is great. The very the, sparse, oh, but yes, the the yes. little piano as you're going out. And when you're, you're a, a little away too, it's like quieter. Yes. And then you get in the heart of the city, it's like full full boom, full blast. It adds so much to the atmosphere of what's going on. I know. Uh, I know. Flip side of that, stables, all look the same. All look the all same. All of them look exactly the same. If they had just yeah. tweaked some stables to make them like, could, have, have three different designs. Have three different designs for stables. Yeah. And I don't find. Like maybe the one in the freaking wilderness will have more fur everywhere. Yeah, like I have don't a know. log cabin one. Have like a plain wood log one. Log cabin. Yeah. Like just different styles, maybe to fit the region that they're in better, or something like that. Yeah. Or like a, a stable, like where Goron runs it, or something like mm-hmm. that, depending on the region. Yeah. So, I hear what you're saying, and I agree with you, but it hasn't. That is not something that is. Suck out to me as I'm playing because there are times where I'll really need a stable. Oh, Ben. And I'll look at... You're just like halfway through, buddy. I know. I still have a long way to go. Maybe, it's like, a, maybe it's like a Target situation or a Walmart well, oh, where it's like, all right, all yeah. these stables are owned <laughs> <Yeah>. by <laughs> the same company. <laughs> on, a, on a more practical level, there will be times where I'll like be in my telescope and I'll, I'll, I'll see that distinct horse head of a stable and be like, yeah. oh, okay, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's kind of been function very functional for yeah. me in a way that I've appreciated because I do think the towns are very yeah. distinct. And That's memorable. my problem with it because everything in that game is distinct. Sure, sure, sure. I get what you're yeah. saying. I do. I really do. Yeah. Man, those towns. I mean, those these towns. are all like nitpicks of mine, you sure. know, kind of thing. Like, I understand why they didn't do it Hylian Homeowner. Oh my. Have you done it then? No. Do you, do you have the quest? No. In the, It's in like the first town. Second town. What do you want me to Second say, town. man? I don't have it. <laughs> I'm right. gonna go seek it out now. Okay, all right. Is all it right. in Hot No Village? Yes. Yeah. Okay. It's right there. <laughs> Gotta no, do it's it. my two favorite things of all time in video <laughs> games, Ben. It's player housing. player housing and economy, all masterfully <laughs> woven into one. I need. I will do this. Gosh, I will so do good. this tonight. <laughs> okay. I will do this tonight. All right. Um. <laughs> Are we are we ready to move on from Breath of the Wild? Is there anything else we want? Didn't to you guys say? want to talk about amiibos? Uh, that's different. We're talk about something else. Oh, please be yeah. excited. Please be we, excited. We need we need we need Jones. Oh, we need Jones for this. Yeah, yeah. Cool. yeah Jones. Cool. There's a little tease. Be, Jones insisted to be on. Cool. It, so. yeah. Was that a spoiler? I'm sorry. No, 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 okay, no. Cool. Wait, I told go people, Huber. No, sorry. No, people know that. That's okay, the next cool. episode. Yeah. Uh, cool, no, cool. no worries. Cool. You're in a good. Damiani, have you been playing anything else besides Breath of the Wild? Uh, I checked out the new update for Fire Emblem Heroes uh-huh. because they Let's talk about this. Uh, didn't really do much. <laughs> Let's just say that. <laughs> uh, someone I asked chat today to help me understand the new inherit skill system, mm-hmm. which supposedly lets you inherit skills from other characters. So if you get a trash character, a low star character, 
you can take their skill, uh, the ability to learn their unique skills, right. and add it to another character. Mm-hmm. So, what are they? Yeah. Anyway, of Neo. I was directed to a Reddit thread because it is so complicated with so many different rule sets. Like, they, there's no simple answer for how it actually works in the game, other than what I just told you. That's like the baseline. But actually, practically doing it with anyone, you got to check this Reddit thread for the guidelines and stuff because it's actually pretty check the guidelines, which is stupid because you don't really need it. I literally finished all of the missions on Lunatic Difficulty uh, yesterday. Mm-hmm. There was like two more I had. Done. Nothing else more difficult in the game left. So is the... Would you theorize that the inherent skill functionality is for arena optimization? Uh, probably for arena optimization. So if you want to do the, the, the expert... Like keep winning experts and place higher to get a better mm-hmm. reward at the end of the season. But... Uh, no single character I've seen has three tiers of uh, skills. There's like the A, B, C slot. Mm-hmm. You only get two of those, I think. And I haven't read the Reddit thread, so I'm hoping that this lets you fill in. Uh, like if you have an A and C skill, you can get a B skill finally for that and have three unique skills active anytime. I'm also hoping for characters that are either max level or have learned all their skills uh, it's another. It's a way to spend their SP essentially because I have some characters sitting on like several hundred SP, do, nothing doing with it, um, and be nice to be able to inherit new skills and like power them up even more. Mm-hmm. But nothing in the game really demands that other than probably like the arena duels, and even then, I, I don't necessarily. It's there's a lot of RNG involved with that. I don't. Sure. This would just probably make it so you would probably never die. So mm-hmm. if you were competent, you'd always win. Um, and again, those aren't multiplayer. It's like it's the asynchronous stuff right. where you fight their other team and even the voting stuff they added like two weeks ago is some random it's like march madness support your favorite character fight a match win you get to allocate points towards that hero and if they get enough points at the end of the time frame they win overall and advance to the next round i was like it was so lopsided though yeah uh, poor, who's the favorite it was uh Mar- Lu- lucina it was lucina mm-hmm. actually yeah i picked uh Elic- uh, uh elica um yeah didn't win. I, where was Marth? I, uh, I picked Lucina. What about Roy? Okay, so you got, won. Got some nice stuff. Got some nice stuff. You got some nice stuff. All right, you got some nice stuff. They have been adding a lot of side mission stuff, though. The Paralogs and yeah. the Xenolog was one of them. Xenolog? It just... It's, it meant the characters from another world have no... I don't know. It was... Characters from another world? No, that's the whole game. That's the whole... The, the yeah. heroes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but... It's if they keep adding those like every month or something mm-hmm. or close at, I'd come back and play for another five minutes to do those missions. But they've been they've been adding paralogs pretty regularly. Yeah. Um, and that, despite how relatively straightforward they are, it's something I appreciate because it's a good way of getting orbs if you've done. All oh yeah. Those and those special missions when they give you a, here's the three one yep. and you can do the hard and normal yep. one six free orbs yep. for you right today. Um, mm. I'm thinking about the point though where. I'm just going to check out the new content updates, right. do what they do, and move on. Like, there's, sure. n- I don't have the time sync part anymore because the difficulties have all been cleared. It's not something I'm playing very seriously. It's something that I'm playing as I'm waiting in line or waiting for another ally to do something or yep. whatever like that. And so maybe this is just applicable to how I'm playing and maybe more dedicated people feel very differently than I do. But based on how I've been playing, I think they've been giving me enough avenues to get orbs that 
I am regularly able to summon and try to get what I want in a pretty satisfying loop for how I play, and so I do commend them for that. I don't, I don't feel like they're being incredibly stingy on giving you the currencies that you need. Yeah, the only thing I would say that it's stingy eventually is the the stamina cost stall oh, yeah. sucks, sure, and sure, that sure. can be replenished with orbs. Mm -hmm. And because it's a gotcha game, people who want specific heroes, like mm -hmm. it's you're good at. If you really want them, as, as many orbs as I've gotten, I could have seen how I could easily burn through all those and still not have who I wanted to have. The right. person spent, what, what $1,000 and still only get Hector. So, I mean, <laughs> it's like, come on. Uh, that That's just the, the, the nature of the game. And again, I, I do think it's good to play in short bursts. It's free, so you can go get it and try out Fire Emblem. But mm -hmm. if you like what you see there and you want something more than that, you need to go play any one of the other Fire Emblem I, games. Yes, and that's <laughs> something I want to comment on. Yes. Because... Right as Fire Emblem Heroes was coming out, I was reminded that, oh, I haven't finished Conquest or Revelations yet, and I had only finished Birthright of the Fates trilogy, and I, I played Heroes kind of exclusively for, for like a week, and then I went and I played Conquest, and I was like, it's not even close. <laughs> I understand yeah. that there are very obvious reasons for that, but uh, it just made me want Echoes that much more, yeah. um, and especially the Switch Fire Emblem. That much more they're just have you played fates i ha no i have what the whole have collection to, what, what do i have to do no you have to do anything i'll eventually get to get to it you so are? i love fire them yeah what's the I'll what's the timeline like i mean i'm 2017 uh, I, I, I actually I, didn't know i did Storm actually is gonna throw a wrench no i did actually mean to play it over december not all through it but like play it as one of the whole like a whole day playthrough mm -hmm. of just one of it from my like holiday streaming uh, I just forgot to grab the, the 3DS, the, the capture thing at the time, mm. and people wanted other games to be picked. Um, I think by this holiday, like okay. if I haven't played by this holiday, I'm just gonna sit down, like, all right, I'm playing through at least one of these whole campaigns right, till the down. end. Hey, wait, is I that the Fire first 3DS oh, one? No, no, Awakening is the oh, first okay. one you're thinking. Awakening, yeah. the one I need to play. Yeah, me too. Yeah, if you haven't played Awakening, yeah, get Awakening is such a good entry point for this. Yeah, series. try please. Yeah, play Awakening. That one. It's hand manageable. Uh, Damian, anything else you've been playing? Uh, trying to think. I mean, I want. There's so many games I want to be playing, uh, and I'm waiting till that end of next week to to be done. Mm -hmm. Uh, which would be, uh, I'll give them some love because maybe this will prompt some of you to talk about them. I definitely need to play through Horizon. Mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. I. Near, I was waiting for near PC. I downloaded it. Haven't started it yet, so that's sitting on my Steam account, waiting yep. to go. Uh, and then, what uh, was the other one that I wanted to play? I mean, I do want to. I definitely play Ukulele next month when it comes out. And there's another big game coming out <laughs> next month. I keep forgetting that that's next month. Comes out and I want to play. That's next month. And there's a huge game that doesn't need any introduction that I think all of us will be playing at some point next month as well. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And. Yeah, Kingdom Hearts 2.5 and 2.5. Yeah. Yeah. All, all these games, oh. yeah, that's still this month. I, all these games still coming out. Couldn't even get the joke right. Uh, it's okay, we got it. All right, we know. Came we through. know. We know. All right, uh, Bradley Ellis, what have you been playing? Uh, Zelda. That took a lot of time, obviously. Sure. Because I finished it. Yeah. And I just finished today, Specter of Torment. Yes, you did, Brad. The second add-on to Shovel Knight. Brad, did you have a good time I with had, Spectre of Torment? 
then I had an amazing time. Would you say to Michael Huber and Michael Damiani that <laughs> this four-hour DLC is very well made and very worth their time? I'm going to say this. Yacht Club Games is one of the best devs around right now. Biz. Boom. I one did, of the best. The reason I haven't Boom. played it is because I haven't. I never played Plague Knight. Guess what? This is a prequel to I everything. But think, I want to go in order. Do you think... I just didn't play Plague Knight. It passed me by. You will watch Iron Fist before you play... <laughs> I'm going to be personally <laughs> offended if you watch no, that. I will not. I just finished I'm Zelda. Just, I'm just giving you a hard time. I'm giving you a hard time. I just finished Zelda. I'm giving you a hard time. Uh, I want to go back and do Plague Knight. And then... All right. All right. Yeah, yeah. All right. You know... Something I want to call out is... You never take the easy way. And, like, it's not even an insult. It's, like, a good thing. It's, you're like, if I'm going to get... I'm going to play all the Kingdom yeah. Hearts games. And then you go and you play all the Kingdom Hearts <laughs> games. I'm going to play this other Shovel Knight DLC. If I say I'm going to play something, I do it. You do. You do. You're a man of your word. You take the high road. Sometimes it takes a long time, though. Yeah. But it, it gets does. done. But it usually and gets done. <laughs> oh, I'm, yeah. Nights. I forgot something. Bad. Oh. Oh. It comes out next Tuesday. Oh, it's on Alien. Gravity Rush DLC. Oh, it's so on it's Tuesday. Tuesday. Next yeah. Tuesday. Yeah. Hold on a second, Damiani. Chat was reminding me. Like, Damiani, we're getting that Gravity stream Rush next... Gravity Rush 2? The Raven yeah. mission. The story. It's next Tuesday. Do you know what else comes out this month that we've all forgotten? What else? Then? The Dark Souls 3 DLC comes out. It's month. not this month? I thought it was next month. I'm pretty it's sure it's month. March. It's like the 24th or 25th. I thought it was April. No, it's this month. Get oh, Every, all baby. March, baby. And oh, March Madness. And, yeah. And there'll be the show 17. <laughs> Get ready. There we go. It'll probably be really good. <laughs> We're going to play. Oh, I'm going to bring it to stream. We're going to do uh, before the group stream for an hour. I want to bring it and we play the uh, oh. retro mode. Uh, I think I think people will love it. Brad, I want to apologize to you. You were trying to talk about yeah, Spectre Torment. Yeah, keep going. Oh, in the I, mean, just, just, I, I liked where it was going, dude. Okay. Remind me of Dark Souls 3 and I Spectre of Torment. What I like about these expansions is they all play really different yes. than Shovel Knight. Mm -hmm. Like they're not carbon copies, which I was originally afraid of. Mm -hmm. Kind of playing the same. Like Spectre, his toolkit is so much fun. It's the best. The wall run is incredible. The dash is obviously the best. It's the like, strike. It's like the 2D Ninja Gaiden sequel yes. we've wanted for yes. a long time. Yes, that's a great way to look at yes. it. It's taking all the like the Mega Man aspect, kind of like going through like yep. the stages and everything like that. The combat's like Ninja Gaiden. Ooh. The other thing that I want to, to me. Uh, commend them for is I feel like they did a better job retooling the levels for oh, yeah. Spectre Knight's yeah, toolkit yeah. than they did for Plague Knight and oh, his toolkit. Oh, way, I, I think, way better now. I think yeah. These remixed levels are more interesting. Feels like a, kind of like a new game almost. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the hub is fantastic. Yeah, I do love the hub. It's very different, very cool. has a bunch of fun characters in there as always. I love the story of this DLC also. Yes, you do. Like there's flashbacks going on that tell mm -hmm. of Spectre Knight and how he becomes Spectre Knight. So I think it might be the best storytelling. Yeah. Uh, and the best, the best methods that they've used. Uh, the... The, and the way that it culminates is... Oh, my God. Yeah. You're seeing Yacht Club improve as developers on, like, right. every single addition to this game. Right. And it's, it's incredible. Whatever full game they come out whatever with Whatever game they're going, I'm buying. It's going to just be, like, scorched earth, <laughs> here we are. Yeah. Yeah. They've they've really... I, I think Yacht Club games just deserves just a tremendous round of applause. Not only did they have an incredible crowdfunding campaign, 
They made a great game that I'm gonna, all the <laughs> They've supported it with wonderful DLC. Uh, they're probably not gonna hear this, but yeah, I, they they're one of the good ones. For sure. One of the greats. And uh, the co-op mode we played briefly was cool too. Yep. Just a cool little add-on yep. to it, man. The body swap mode. That the you body can swap do. mode's really all great. All these things that they didn't have to do, but they just kept adding and adding and making well, they it better, stretch and giving goals. you more. Oh. For their Kickstarter, I believe. All of them? I think most of them, yeah. Okay, well, maybe I'm... But here's the thing. Here's the thing with Kickstarter, though. They delivered on their promise, first of all, and it's very good. Yes. Like, I would not be let down by giving money to these people. Sure. In fact, I I bought the game four times, for God's sake, so I'm a big fan. Yeah. (laughs) Brett, it it means so much to me that you... uh, Loved it as much as I did. Yeah, and uh, love it. You're, you're having a similar response. Was there anything that you didn't like with Spectre of Torment? Um, the only thing I kind of wish they had was the world map. Sure, I that's think like that, my my mm-hmm. only grab back and thing of at the moment kind of thing. Because mm-hmm. he had like different like ability. Like some of his moves are very similar to Shovel Knight's, especially the abilities you buy like that. Mm-hmm. But he still played different enough for me to like not really affect it. But just going like on the world map is really cool like that. Definitely. Um, there was one complaint that I was was thinking of, and it, it hasn't really left me. Uh, I think, as we described, his toolkit is really fun. The running up walls, mm-hmm. the, the vertical slash, and how they use that for you to do both vertical and horizontal aerial movement. All of that is really satisfying. Um, but with the wall run in particular, there mm-hmm. were a lot of times where it seemed a little finicky, where I'd be like, oh, no, I didn't mean to wall run. I just kind of got c- close to this wall, and you started doing the animation and things like that. It, it seemed like maybe that could be ironed out a little bit, so you had just a bit more control. I feel like I only had that problem, like, the first stage or maybe two. Okay. And I kind of, I just, like, adapted to it, I guess. All right. So I just, could see that, though. So you're just much better at it. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Okay. I think that might be it. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I died quite a bit in this. A lot yeah. of pitfall deaths. I mean, that's like Shovel Knight, though. That's usually how didn't, you die in that didn't game. Didn't die once. Oh, yeah? No, it's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah? <laughs> sure. <laughs> no death run. <clears throat> so, Spectre of Torment. Brad, what else do you got for us? Uh, I've been slowly chipping away. I just played it again a little this week. Near The original. The original Nier on PS3. Brad, it's like... You this just, is a weird... You're like, making me oh so happy God. with every, every word that's coming out of your mouth. This game is so weird and great and uh-huh. stupid and bad at the same time. Yep. Like, so much of it is terrible, but I still like it. So, Nier is is kind of a, of a hard thing to, to wrap your head around, I think, uh, especially in total. But what what is what is sticking out to you specifically? Kind of going through it for the first time, what what is calling out to you in both a very great and very terrible way? What's calling out to me is how bizarre this game is. What do you mean by that? What's bizarre about it? Like, <laughs> the story is insane. Like, I don't even want, I don't want to spoil like certain moments, but mm-hmm. you start in one thing, then you're in like a complete upper different thing. I'm like, am I playing a different game right now? Yeah. The the st- the characters you run into are literally insane characters. Like one of them's wearing a nightgown like the entire game. Apparently, mm-hmm. there's like a reason why I don't know why yet. Yeah. Like the town I went to, there's a certain certain town you have to. They have like a bunch of weird ass rules. Yeah. And you have to follow them to like be able to buy items. Like I, tr- I forgot one of the rules and I couldn't look for how to buy an item or something like that. It's <laughs> like this is insane. They have this, yeah. So it's it's sort of this tribal village in the middle of the desert, and they have thousands and thousands and thousands of rules. Yeah. And the rules will contradict each other and be like, oh, rule 15,000 doesn't line up in with rule 14,000. We need to seek counsel on how yeah. to deal with this specific oh thing. And it's kind of uh, just a, a fun little aside. Uh, Brad, you were talking about 
Kaine and how she's kind of dressed in this revealing mm-hmm. outfit. Do you remember when Hideo Kojima said, you will doubt your words and deeds? Yes. You'll be ashamed. You'll be ashamed. You'll yes. be ashamed. Yes, thank you for that correction. You're right. Uh, you'll be ashamed of your words and deeds. So with that said, I was kind of waiting for the moment where uh, there was sort of this, this big revelation that never came. Uh, the reason why I'm bringing this up is that happens in both the original Nier and uh, Automata. 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 Happens in your Automata where you will sort of settle into a character and you'll be like, this is who they are. This is how they express themselves. And then a long time will pass and then things will turn on their head. And you'll you'll view them in a totally different light. It's like, such a but it's not moment. like I'm even like concerned or mad about it. I'm just like, oh, that's kind of strange. Oh yeah. well, this is the game. <laughs> sure. This is what they're going for. Whatever, that's fine. I would argue though that you're not quite at the biggest. I'm revelations. not. I'm not. I'm, I can't wait for you to get there. Like I I just went through like a temple where I have to do like dumb challenges to go through like certain rooms. Like hey, don't mm-hmm. jump in this one. But everything has like a really stupid and bizarre name for like your abilities. Yep. They're like rolling jumping rabbit. Like, can't use that. I'm like, what the hell is that? And it's just jump. I'm like, what? Yeah. Uh, how do you think the game plays? Game plays like shit. The combat <laughs> sucks in here. Yep. It's so bad. Yep. It's so bad. And the game is ugly as hell, too. Yep. It looks like a PS2 game, maybe. <laughs> like, not even up res. Yep. It's just widescreen. It's so ugly. Uh, <laughs> the ugliest character model I've ever seen in my life is the main character of that game. Sure. The ugliest character I've ever seen in my life. Hideous. Sure. But it, apparently in the Japanese version, he looks different. So here's what happened. Yeah. Uh, the Japanese release of Nier, there were two versions. If you played on PS3, you got Nier Replicant, where you played as a much, much, much younger uh, better looking version of the main yeah. character uh, who was a brother to Yona. Okay. Whereas if you played on 360, you played as this... Dad. The dad, right? Right. And so in North America, we the, the 360 version in Japan was called Gestalt. That is the only version that we got. Why? Why did they give us the worst one? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, there's an answer. Oh. Please. <laughs> because they thought that kind of character yeah, would exactly. appeal more to Western. <laughs> <laughs> dude, dude yeah. he looks so <laughs> like, stupid. <laughs> he looks so stupid. <laughs> he looks terrible. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Playing to the market. I like uh, how you said, Brad. It looks like a PS2 game. It does. Because... Is it? I think at one point I said when I was playing through it originally, I said, this game came out during PS2 era. This would be a masterpiece right now. Like, we'd be talking about this game nonstop. But Caviar, sadly, released it with Square Enix during the PS3 era and 360. But I'm all in. You're all in. I'm all in. Yeah, that's cool. I'm all in. So, Brad, uh, another thing that Nier does that I'm I'm curious to get your opinion on uh, is it just switches genres at certain points yeah yeah i'm cool with that i'm cool with stuff being really weird and zany out of nowhere okay i'm fine with that all right i i want to when you finish here i want to do i want to have another yeah what's the director of this game yoko taro this guy is a maniac he's a maniac and i love it i love that he's a maniac did you know that near is Part of the the dragon god. Someone said that to me. I was like, "Are you insane? Like, are you kidding me?" When you find out how it connects, <laughs> it's even more insane. I just remember Dragon Guard One, though. That's the one yeah, I played. Sure, Dragon Guard One is a interesting game because it also does not hold up or play very well. But 
I don't think it played the... very well when it came out. Sure, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Did not... I had it. Yes. I bought it. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, oh. And <laughs> that was the response of a lot of people where they, they played it. Yeah. They didn't do the whole multiple ending things. And yeah. like, this just doesn't play very good. Fuck yeah. this. And they moved on. But uh, it, like Nier, has some really interesting yeah. stuff. I would also argue Dragon Guard 1 is the darkest game that oh, he's okay. made. Yeah. All of his games are pretty dark. No, to some yeah. Degree. I mean, I love his vision or whatever. I love it. It's just crazy. Yeah. And I'm just happy now that near Automata, 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 yes. he got like a bigger budget for it. Looks like a bigger budget game, and he's got yeah. a great True like vision. combat developer with him. Yeah. Creators intent. Can I? Uh, Creators intent. Yeah. Can I leapfrog off of your near discussion Please. into Automata? Please. Um, I said in the review, and I stand by this, that this is the first Yokotaro game where I feel like you don't you don't have to make excuses for it. Like when you're trying to tell your friends about it, you don't have to say, "Well, you're like, well, this, this part really sucks, but no. this is cool." What, and what's great is all of the smart things, all of the Yokotaro insanity and intelligence is very much present, but it doesn't feel like a retelling of Nier. It doesn't feel like it's trying to recapture Nier into a better game. Mm -hmm. It is both a better game and going in a different direction that is equally valuable and equally amazing. Um, The combat in Nier Automata is so good for an open world Mm -hmm, game mm -hmm. where you are just, you're running around and then all of a sudden you slide into a, a sea of robots and you have... That, that platinum combat where you're doing just absolutely incredible things. I mean, you're doing like flee, three flips in the air. You're sticking your sword on your shoe. You're swinging at enemies. And it just it feels so good. You don't have to think about it. It's intuitive mm-hmm. when you're doing all these incredible things. You get a giant digital hammer that you send crashing down on yeah, your Yeah, love it. Sick. Fucking great. Sounds like Banana too. But the thing that I want to talk about that I maybe didn't quite capture in the review is... Near the original Near is very much about this sort of story of misfits that comes together, um, and they they form this bond and they go on this journey and they figure more about the world around them. Near Automata is not that. There are no humans. Yeah. And what's interesting is how well they use that concept, because you have these machines that are mimicking human behavior, and then you have these androids that are mimicking human behavior and look very much like humans, but their quirks, their personalities, Mm -hmm. are odd enough that seeing them try to mimic this and, like, understand each other is fascinating. It feels... It feels both kind of sad and really endearing, and it's... (laughs) It's something that I haven't seen a lot of games do really well. A lot of sci-fi games do really well. Um, and that in and of itself mm-hmm. is a pretty amazing thing. Um, I I feel like there are so many games that I enjoy that I come on Frame Trap and I play through and I talk about and I go, oh, that was a good time or I thought this character was fun. Near is something... Near is kind of what I wanted Metal Gear Solid Five to be. Where I, I thought... Based on the trailers of what I saw with Metal Gear Solid 5, I'm like, nope, Kojima has something to say. And he's going to execute it on a way that that there's really going to be some meat to chew on here. And I remember finishing Metal Gear Solid 5 and, and, and feeling pretty empty. Feeling pretty like, mm-hmm. man, that was a hell of a ride. I loved it, but I'm not really thinking about it in the way that I expected. Near, finishing Near Automata, I also felt empty. 
but I felt empty because like the game emotionally drained me that what it was talking about and how it was talking about it I'll be thinking about that right up until Game of the Ben, this is like the craziest thing for you to say to me because at the point in near right now where I am, sure. that seems like that could never happen. It happens. I think it happens in near as well, but because I think what near talks about and how it talks about it is good, but it's just the clunkiness of that game and how it's presented and how it's structured. It's just not as good as it is yeah. in Automata. Whereas there's more of a flow, and so I think I think it has a little bit more of a punch to it. Yeah. It gets to you because it's just a better game. Yeah. Um, well, I haven't finished it yet either, and I don't have all the endings, and I know that matters big time. It does. So. It does. It's just I, I really would like other allies to play it and see if it resonates with them as strongly as it did with me um, because I know that that story and meaningful characters are... They matter to you. And uh, the other thing that I want to talk about with Automata, though, and I, I also mentioned about this in the review, is I, I don't like it when games explore this territory and they, they like get in your face and they're like, yo, think about this, man. Isn't this so serious? Wow. And it's just you have these really long cutscenes that feel so forced and unnatural. That doesn't happen here. It feels very aware of itself, and it just it kind of just gives you these, these, these powerful thoughts in short bursts. In between, it has a really good sense of humor to kind of counterbalance that. Great. And so it makes it a super smooth ride mm-hmm. because it's it's not leaning too heavily in either direction. And uh, that matters a lot. I think Yakuza does a great job of that as well. Yakuza. <laughs> we have to talk about it on every frame chat for the rest of the year. We have to talk about Yakuza every frame chat for the rest of the year? Yeah. Brad, I'm sorry that I hijacked you. Oh, no, uh, dude, I loved it. I loved it. Thing, but uh, can I just get a... I don't know why, but I'm just I'm so passionate about these games. I like. Are you gonna play near Automata? Yes. Are, are you yes. gonna play it? No, Ben. I'm just gonna quit after playing one. Are you gonna play it? 100. All right, marking down Huber, Brad. 100, Ben. Brad, is there anything else you've been playing? Uh, one brief game. Play with Huber. Shock Troopers. Shock Troopers. Little old Neo Geo game. Hell yeah. Play it on the Switch at Mike's house. Yep. Like the the. The quintessential Switch experience. Yeah, like on the table, each have a Joy-Con. Yeah, playing it. Uh, pretty much arcade shooter, you know. Yeah, two, two Metal Slug or, army people. Yeah, Metal Slug, but oh, more like, of like an isometric kind of angle going through it. Yeah. It's exactly like Metal Slug, actually. Yeah. But just Great not as game. good. It's not as good. It's not as good. It's not as good. Calm down. But it's really good. But it's fun. It's fun. It's worth a playthrough. It's, it's worth bucks. a playthrough, yeah. It's worth it. I don't like... There's not a lot of Switch games out there yet, maybe. Yeah. So. I want to talk about yeah. how amazing the Switch is. Just, like, oh. playing it. Like, I have... Like, we did yesterday. I have played this Switch in, like, every setting. I have played it. I played Zelda on the big screen. I would take it into bed at night mm-hmm. and play in bed with headphones. I played in bed last night. And it is incredible. I played with Brad Shock Troopers just like that style. We played Super Clippers yesterday, yep. just like waiting around for people. And then I played uh, I played a little Zelda outside. I went to Hatano Hatano Village. Is that what it's called? Hatoro Village. I Hatano. say Hatno. Hatno. Yeah. Hatno, Hatno Village. Dude, Hotno Village soundtrack while sitting outside with a cool breeze hitting your face. Highly recommend it. <laughs> I was blown away. I was blown away. 
this this might sound strange, but I don't often get to see you kind of embracing a handheld. Well, that <laughs> and you know when we play games, it's usually in a very cooperative or competitive setting. Yeah. But uh, we were waiting on something. I don't remember what it was, but you brought the switch and you were playing Zelda, and you were just snuggled up in that yeah. chair with headphones in. <laughs> yeah. You had this big smile on your face. You were doing some shrines. <laughs> And so the concept of the Switch is working for you guys. It is mm-hmm. working big like time. Are you, do you feel more confident about the future of this thing than you did before? Yeah, I mean, it's launch. So the tech part of it mm. is not too far behind. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. It's, it's behind, <laughs> but uh, I'm worried about how far the gap is going to be. What we're going to look like my, in three years. Yeah, especially when Scorpio comes out, that powerhouse, uh, you know. The Switch graphics in 2018, uh, you know, might be cause for concern, but right now it's great. Um, I'm wait. I'm already concerned. Zilla, yeah, ran I'm already back. concerned. I'm already concerned. So it's only going to get worse. Switch Pro. Do you think? <laughs> just trying to continue the conversation here, mm-hmm. that with certain games, depending on what they are, the the idea of feeling that cool breeze on your face outside mm-hmm. will make you gravitate toward the switch version than another version do you think that's that's possible or if it looks and runs the same probably sure yeah. so yeah. that's that's the chief thing and then yeah you'll consider I mean, if it's, no- if it's a noticeable downgrade either in performance or visuals mm-hmm. noticeable if it, if it looks a little worse but i i get to you know take it take it with me on the go yeah. or mm-hmm. then I'll, I'll 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 eat that little but why dip? no achievements yet why why still why nintendo what are you doing yeah it's not hard to do. It's funny because I think, you know, I, I finished Zelda and then I put it on the shelf. I think if there were achievements, yeah. I may have yeah. had incentive to... It's like they're a silly little thing, around. but people like doing them. Yeah. Like, I like doing them. I mean, <laughs> I, I I think if you play video games and you can't admit to yourself that on some fundamental you enjoy, fundamental level you enjoy checking things off on a list... You're lying to yourself because we can we can reduce most of it to mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. right? And so beating a game is, is checking, checking something off the yes, list. Yes, right. That is uh, that's inherent to just so many of the experiences. Uh, has battery life been an issue for you with the Switch? Not yet. I haven't really taken a like long travel. I guess maybe I think, I think where, I've, really where I've been playing it for like five hours straight or something like that yet. But we'll see. I guess. I think it's been good. So it sounds like, if I were to sum this up from Michael Huber and Bradley Ellis, tentatively optimistic. Yeah. more, Way more optimistic than I was on Wii U. I've already used the Switch, like, for what it set out to do, you know? Like, to, b- taking it off and playing like that, or playing in bed, or playing it on the go. I've already used it for what it wants me to use it for mm-hmm. more than Wii U. Wii U, every time I, like, turn that sucker on, I was like... Well... Plug in the motion sensor, and this thing, adapt like nine peripherals, plug everything in. There's another thing that I really want to commend the Switch for that I can't sing the praises of uh, loudly enough is the Wii U was a cumbersome piece of shit when it came to just doing anything. <laughs> Getting into the shop, booting up the interface, switching over, like... The switch just goes. Yeah, the OS like, is, I want to do this, is fast. And I'm doing it. And the, the, the operating system being as fast as it is, is... is so nice. It's good. It's like Especially Nintendo. keeping it in sleep mode feels good. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You pop Tone. it up, 
hit that button three Boom. times, you're back into the game. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, Damiani, you're being a little quiet over there. What do you think about the Switch overall? Uh, I was being quiet because I felt like I've spoken so much about it in the past. Oh, I sure. Let other people have a chance. Um, Absolutely. Sorry, I wasn't I, trying I, to call you no, out. No, no, that no, might no. have sounded a little bit more aggressive. <laughs> yeah. At this point, Speak. I mean, the only thing different I'd say at this point is I feel more now that the, the dock is a piece of trash. Yes, the dock is a piece of trash. Yeah. I, yeah. I hope they do something soon about that thing, like a new version or something, because I do not like the dock. Yes. And I have to use it to play TV mode. Yeah. That is what is just eating at like me. Opening the back it, and trying to like plug shit in there, like HDMI, because I have like in my, my setup, you know, everyone's setup is different. I have like one HDMI cable that I use for whichever console I'm using, you know, to like swap it in and out, which is a pain in the ass, but it's just the hand I've been dealt, you sure. know, so like having to like get it in there, it's kind of annoying. I, I also feel, and nothing, nothing has happened. I haven't had my switch scratched up by putting it in the dock or anything, but I will say every time I put it in the dock, I'm like, ah, this, this doesn't feel as like safe. It doesn't yeah. Yeah. It's just like, like yeah. Yeah. And that, that sort of that sort of that thought creeps up every time I do it. And again, no issues, but still that anxiety shouldn't be there to begin yeah. with. But on the flip side, when I have it undocked and I'm playing with it, yes. I'm chill. Yes. It is way more durable and I feel a lot I feel a lot more confident and secure in keeping it clean because I have major OCD with my, my system and games. Like, yeah. Oh, I remember I wipe, your PSP. I wipe my things down with a diaper. That's how a I, diaper? A diaper. My mom gave me a diaper to like because it's a it's I a just soft use a microfiber cloth. It's a soft surface. Yeah, why don't you just use that? I got my diaper. Why are you gonna be some maniac? Because <laughs> Like because diaper man, yeah, because you clean thing cleaning things with diapers. It's a I safe mean, surface. It's totally, yeah. you're not wrong. Yeah, yeah. They, they just they it make has a little, that are that so are it has a little the diaper has a little extra oomph to it to like get off any kind <laughs> of. I shouldn't knock. I'm not even joking. I'm, I'm like, not even trolling. Should I try the diaper? Uh, you should. I need diaper fan art yeah. immediately. I will show you my. Please bring it to the stats and efficiency. Bring him, like, I don't a play pack of pampers souls. or something. <laughs> this guy over here, fashion souls, taking, t- reducing stats to look better in a game. That's I don't need them. I don't need the stats. Hey, there's nothing wrong with the play. How you want to play? Yeah. Glamour is a true game. Wipe with what you want to wipe with. Oh no! Oh no! That one's not going away. Uh, Rocking that diaper, baby. But uh, the 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 real point was that anytime I had my Vita, I was uh, concerned. Anytime I took a Vita anywhere, I'm I'm alarmed. I'm concerned. Uh, well, you're holding you're holding glass. Yeah, in your you're hand. holding glass. It's getting fingerprints everywhere. Like the thing is oh, fragile. Yeah, yeah. The battery Switch life wasn't that great. The Switch undocked feels feels safe. Feels good. It's a good weight. It's good a good weight. size. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. good. Um, Playing the diaper. Brad, do you have do you have anything else that you want to talk about before we move on? No, I'm good. All right. Michael Huber. I need those stats, Brad, all right? I'm willing to sacrifice the way I look in a game. Hey, man. I need the stat buff. Just keep it with the diaper, all right? <laughs> Can, I That's diaper? Why... Can I ask what type of diaper you use? It was my mom gave me it. Okay. Because she knows how OCD I am with wiping shit down. Well, it's and because like, you got it from her. Yeah, and, and like, I don't Is know. It, have you just been using this one diaper for like 10 no, years? No, 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 no. I have multiple and I wipe, wash them and I and I have like and I have other cloths too. I have like glasses. Are you, are you using cloth diapers? Yeah, it's cloth. So okay. 
Yeah. Were you? Yeah. I don't know how deep how deep I want to dig into the diaper dig thing. It. Get your mind out of the gutter. It's I'm just in the gutter. It's, it's in, just it's on a, the diaper. It's honestly, don't think of it like a fucking baby's diaper. Think of it like <laughs> think of it literally like a washcloth, but a diaper. I can just envision you <laughs> in like saying, a in like a coffee shop yeah. going and, and having a fresh brew I'm sitting down. It out. And you're, tweet out a picture. you're playing the switch, yeah, and then you're done, yeah. and then you're like, you throw away your cup, and you go, all right, <laughs> son, <laughs> No, when, when I take it on the go, I use like a computer uh, monitor cleaner. Yeah. The diaper is for home use only. <laughs> home use. Huber. Yeah. Behind closed doors. Diaper. Michael, Michael Huber, what have you been playing? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tweet out a picture so there's no... No, no, no. I mean, the cloth no diaper makes more sense. Like, yeah. it's... Sounds like, something like Pampers, like disposable. That's what you made it sound like, yeah. dude. No. <laughs> that's it's like a permanent. It. You're using, yeah. yeah, you go to Baby Island, just buy it, take out a, a fresh diaper with like oh, teddy bears on it. Oh, I need some more sweet yeah. screen cleaners. <laughs> it's a permanent thing, you can throw it in the wash. Okay. I'm telling you, uh, life changing. Okay. Wash my teeth, like scrub my TV now on it. Good service. <laughs> Great. I'm, I'm glad it's working for you. But Pro tip, honestly. Yeah. Use the diaper. Check it out. Check it out. Pro tip. Highly recommend it. Outside, outside of your regular cleaning, <laughs> have you been playing anything? Zelda took uh, all my time. Phenomenal game. It's Divine Beast, Town of White Town. Yep. Uh, Where were you just playing over there, Huber? A little earlier. It's playing Gwent still. Yep. Really, really enjoying Gwent. They had mm-hmm. some. Uh, Made some some changes to a couple cards. Mm-hmm. Um, still, still beta, still early days. No campaign yet. Uh, kind of hard to earn packs at this point. You know, you really got to put in the time. Uh, hopefully that gets tweaked. Hopefully when the campaign comes out, you you earn a lot of resources. Uh, you know, like you you commented that there are no no daily quests really. There's only one daily thing where it's like win six rounds. So that'll take like three games minimum because it's two rounds a game. If you win three games, one two one two one two, mm-hmm. uh, you get that and that gives you kind of a reward for materials to buy packs. Uh, just a, it seems a little slow right now to earn. Maybe that's by design because it's the beta. They don't want you to like scoop everything up really quick. Um, yeah, but I think if, I think if they add daily quests on top of the win six rounds, uh, add that on top of the campaign, you know, I think by the time you go through the campaign and you have all those dailies, I think it'll be a nice starting point. Cause right now it's like, start the game. You can play casual until you're ranked 10, which takes a while, but it's like, shit, I'm kind of locked into, you know, a very mm-hmm. small sample size of cards, mm-hmm. so there's not as much flexibility sure. as I'd like to use uh, right at, right at the get go, you know. Because especially starting out, it's like, damn, I, I kind of want to try and like see what's what, right? Uh, but they they make it kind of hard to do in the beta, right? And 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 being able to see what's what, as you said, would really help you understand what you're up against too, exactly. which is so important in a card yeah. game. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Go just ahead. that. And then uh, going back to Horizon, trying to finish that off. Um, the more I play Horizon, the more I like Horizon. Yeah, uh, the side quests are dog shit. Um, <laughs> you know, just straight up. Sure. I'm, you know, especially now coming back from Zelda, like, have more faith in your player base. Honestly, it, it's what do you like mean by somewhat that? insulting. Just like, 
talk to this person at this exact point mm-hmm. to get the quest. Cool. Okay. Go to this exact point on the map. Okay. Cool. Okay. Now that you're there, kill this exact thing. Cool. Okay. Now return it back to this exact person. It's so robotic. It's so artificial. It disconnects <laughs> me from being a part of that world, especially a world that's like, you know, about the wilderness. It's about being in the wild. Uh, you know, it, it, I lose that feeling of freedom when I'm just artificially talking to a person and going to an exact point on the map and checking it off of a checklist. Do you do you think it's it's fair to call out Horizon specifically though when there's no, so, many, so games many games that it's do this? So, it's yeah. like every It is. Game. Even The Witcher. Mm-hmm. I, I think about, you know, The Witcher, some of the best moments are those monster hunts and, you know, you go to a monster hunt and it's like, okay, investigate the area. Pick that up, pick that up, pick that up, you mm-hmm. know? And it's like, Zelda was, it's life-changing with those side quests. I absolutely love them. Mm-hmm. And I love, you know, I think, I'm again, I'm so hard on Horizon right now because side quests, optional quests, should be the things where you give your players freedom. They should be a little more ambiguous to be like, hey, if you want to do this, this is a little extra challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to figure this out and do it, cool. If not, though, we're going to still guide you along on the main story. I think side quests are a perfect place to kind of let the reins off, but more and more they've become padding on video games. They become a place to add filler, add checklist items, and kind of buff your character if you're having trouble on the main quest. I would love it if we got to a point where side quests were harder and, and more <laughs> free than than the main quest line. This this is kind of a, a difficult thing for me to digest because I both agree. But I also have to reconcile the fact that a lot of the optional activities in Horizon that I'm doing, I'm, I'm enjoying mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, going down into those those caves, way different, way different. The cauldrons, yeah, those are amazing, of course. But there's just so many other things. The, anytime mm-hmm. you talk to someone and get a quest, yeah, it's so similar. Sure, it's sure, like sure. fetch quest or kill quest. Yeah, I I mean I, I enjoy yeah. the, the cauldrons the are amazing, but there's only like well. four or five of them. Sure, yeah, sure, sure. Uh, I'm enjoying the hunting as well, and I think the mm-hmm. reason why I still haven't reached that point where it's like, all right, time to finish this, mm-hmm. is because I, I like the core of Horizon so much. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm still enjoying experimenting with different ways of fighting these beasts. Mm-hmm. And I still, I actually, you were talking about economy and, and how important that is to you. I actually yeah. think the economy in Horizon is pretty is. good, where if I purchase something <clears throat> big, I'm really committing to that thing. And so I'm spending a lot of time being like, all right, how do I really want to play? What do I want to be limited to? Uh, we were talking about Zelda. I, I think there's kind of a similar push and pull happening yeah. here. Do you agree with that? Yeah, and the the resource, uh, the expanding your inventory space is extremely expensive, but mm-hmm. extremely valuable. Yeah. Um, which I really like. Mm-hmm. But actually, now that I think about it, maybe not because you can just... Like, does it matter? I can hold, like, 30 arrows or 60, but even if I'm holding 30 and I run out, I can basically pause the game and just craft 30 more. On on something basic like arrows, <laughs> yes, but where where I'm at specifically, the, the like, the piercing arrows, yeah. I like, I run out of... Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I guess uh, potions uh, is a big Yeah, way. I run out of, like, wire yeah. really quickly still. Mm-hmm. Like, I... There, I'm still running into moments where it's like, ah, I can't quite make the maximum amount of that, or I, I need to go out in the world and, and do more things, or I need more money even, scrap. And so 
I, I do feel like I'm getting a lot out of the side quest. I, what I will agree with you, though, is having done a lot of the side quests, it would be hard for me to specifically remember a character moment exactly or, or have something stick out there's so filler the cauldrons in the hunting lodge yeah stuff is pretty cool but so to be fair though i i also feel that way with zelda to a large extent a lot of the, the <clears> side <throat> quests that i'm getting i'm not like oh what an amazing character that is it is pretty straightforward there certainly are moments mm -hmm. there, there definitely are characters that i really love in zelda mm -hmm. um but, but so yeah. I, I mean we've said personality like a hundred times i think though it, it fits so much because at least those characters in zelda have something to them there's there's mm. something there even if it's like surface level the way they look like horizon it's just like just please like robot go get me <laughs> 12 arrows from, from the town or whatever you know mm -hmm. just i don't know maybe i'm being Man. a little too critical on it you know kyle bossman always in the back of my ear because i was talking about you know that I'm, I'm compelled to do them because uh they offer a substantial XP bonus. You know, you're getting a lot out of them. And he was like, dude, skip them all. Skip them all. They're not memorable. Like, they're I, bad. I definitely yeah. think that that might be getting in your head. But I also mm -hmm. don't want to, like, sit here and say that you don't have a point because I, I think you do. I just, I kind of want to always talk about it in a broad yeah. scope and try to... Yeah. I don't know. Try to try to think about it as much as we can. Yeah, um, the, the cauldrons and the hunting lodges are great, <clears throat> and the main quests, of course. Uh, I'm I'm in, in, in enjoying my time incredibly. With How do you Rising. feel about the story at large? It just hasn't really got going. Okay. Um, you know, I'm like 15 hours in now, maybe a little more. I've like okay. cleared out. I've done so, again. I'm like completion. What level are you? Like 27. Okay. And the main quest I'm on is like 16 or something. I'm like <laughs> way over leveled as I usually am because mm. I because I completionist games. I just Maybe Enjoy. because in your overleveled state, but but something that I really like about Horizon that I haven't commented on yet is, it's pretty easy to heal and it's pretty easy to. It's easy to die. Yes, that's, straight that's up. What I'm I level, talk about. Yeah, I'm level 27 and I, I get that's what I want to talk in like about. Three hits. Is you? I think it's so important in a game like this where you run into <clears throat> these towering machines that that look and sound so threatening that they actually feel threatening, and I think Horizon does an excellent job without being, like frustrating mm -hmm. making you feel like oh man i fucked up there mm -hmm. goes three-fourths of my health yeah. and having that frantic moment in battle where you got to get away yeah. and reposition yourself i think it does a very good job of that frantic yeah great way to describe mm -hmm. combat it yeah. is because every battle you know every battle you need to pay attention yep uh which is something you don't really need to do in zelda that that i'll give a mm -hmm. nod that i'll give a nod to horizon is even random encounters just you know if if the dinos see you you need to be ready and you need to be alert period even if even if it's like low level watchers because they can mess you up and and even if you have like you know because all the armor trade-off is really cool too because it's like you can have armor that's focused on stealth but then you can't take a lot of hits you can have the armor that's focused on like ranged uh defense melee defense like even if you have the me good melee defense armor you and like you're over leveled you die in a couple hits uh and i really appreciate that is that you always need to be on your toes uh which further puts an emphasis on stealth like eliminating as many as you can before shit sure. hits the fan uh is really important to to survival what Love would that. you want to see out of a horizon zero dawn 2 better side quests <laughs> so if, if more you freedom i just i just 
I know. I, I came off no, maybe overly aggressive. No, but don't, I just, don't doubt yourself. Go into it. I just feel like a game about the wild and surviving in the wilderness and exploration should be less like come here do this come here do this go there and do that go there and do that it should be like let me just kind of flow and like i haven't had that moment of freedom in this game it's always been go to the point go to the point go to the point get xp level up you know go to the point you you want the change to be broken a little bit yeah yeah like like maybe i'm just a little spoiled of breath of the wild but i just felt like breath of the wild was so free and liberating it's it's good, I think, to have moments like that because maybe if you didn't have that experience with Breath of the Wild, you would kind of be like, well, this is just how it goes. This is mm-hmm. how you do this type of game. Yeah. And then you run into something where it's like, oh, it doesn't have to be that way. Mm-hmm. And it changes what you want out of games. Is that is that what is happening to you now? Maybe. It's such a it's such a double-edged sword because there's... I love, I love all games, Ben. I love all types in every game. Sure. It's like there's value to that because then I can kind of, you know kind of go on autopilot again when the battles happen you have to be alert but it's still i'm not gonna get lost i'm not really gonna get frustrated and there is value to that yeah so it's just finding that right balance i guess mm. i just think the wilderness setting makes me like is more really, aware of it makes me more aware of it yeah mm-hmm. yeah okay i have a quick question for you though do you think that i don't know i haven't played it and i guess no spoilers but to best of your ability mm-hmm. does do you think Horizon's story and narrative elements would have been what they were? And if they are, if you feel they're strong and compelling, would they have been that strong and compelling if they gave you more freedom? Because I feel Zelda had to struggle. Not, not, I mean, I think the developers had to struggle and labor to even do the job they did with the story in Zelda to figure out a way, because they even brought up in their making of videos that we can't predict when a player is going to encounter yeah. certain elements. How do we deliver a story to them when we can no longer control where they are going? Totally. Do you think that's like, is that a big enough difference you maybe, think, feel maybe between that's... Zelda and Horizon that they did craft a, like this totally. rich story in Horizon that they wanted to be told in a certain way that if they let you go off and do that, it would have suffered because of that? I, I feel that might have been the, the, the mm-hmm. core reason why Horizon went that way and Zelda was able to go a different way yeah. with its freedom. It's a great point and it's like the 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 whole we could have a whole discussion on like open world storytelling Mm -hmm. but the fact that i'm like doing the side quests is kind of pulling away from that tight main story Mm. narrative that they're going for so it's like conflicting you know it's like do you want me to do these side quests that you put in this game to make me more powerful or do you just want me to focus on this main story um yeah i mean the the ideal is that it's good either way right yeah but I, I, yeah, I guess I just haven't connected to this story as much yet. It's a cool world, and they re- like so, that's one thing where they do mm. respect the player is the vocabulary of this game. Like, they expect you to be an expert on this world. Like, they're throwing out all these names of tribes and events. Like, they really go for it, which I respect too because I'm I'm always trying to like hunt for that lore and like really get the bigger picture. It's really cool, like talking to people, and they they just go for it with their dialogue. There's a there's a point I want to bring up that has been uh, addressed to me several times, and, and I'm sure you've maybe heard it as well. That you sort of cross a threshold in the story where it starts getting more meaningful. It starts wrapping things together a little bit more tightly. Mm-hmm. Um, I I really hope that the next time we sit down and we talk about Horizon, 
that maybe we can see that stuff and, and yeah. see if what people are saying is, is totally true and have that totally. holistic experience because had I, for example, only done two of the endings for Nier, I would have a very different impression of it. Mm-hmm. And I think that is something that is always important yeah. to consider. Absolutely. Uh, anything else besides Horizon? Streamed uh, Ghost Recon with Jones. You just seem happy as a clam with that. It's the Jones effect. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. How much of it is the Jones effect? How much is game? How much is Jones? 90% Jones. Okay. 90%. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was Steve. Yes. Uh, if you go back and, uh, you know, when this was announced at E3 or whenever that was, was that E3 when we were talking about it? it was like, I yeah, think so. Yeah. Oh, my I mean, goodness. I was there. Yeah. I railed on this game like personally offended like <laughs> unnecessarily bitter and like angry at ghost recon wildlands mm-hmm. uh you know long days who knows <laughs> i was like a bad mood i yeah. was pissed it happens um and streaming with jones is just it was a blast i had okay. a i had a really good time playing this game it was very very low stakes um and our, our somebody said I think it was you maybe odd couple, yeah yeah it's like the odd couple where I'm just like Jones get in and we get in like this rickety old van and I just like drive off the cliff barreling down this hill mm-hmm. and Jones has a more methodical like yo Precise, systematically set up shop here like throwing his drone up in the air to paint targets and I'm just like all right he's dead all right got so, this guy. yeah uh, driving the van through like a gate or something like that yeah, yeah that's well, you. What's important for that odd couple dynamic, I think, is you don't want that very methodical person to get agitated when you're doing this. You yeah. want them to kind of like be able to laugh with it and go along with it. Yeah. Joan's good at that. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, with <clears throat> Ghost Recon Wildlands, mm-hmm. do you do you think the game is uh, designed well enough that like both of you with both these different dynamics are having a good time and have plenty to do? He was having a good time, absolutely. Because jo- the Jones dopamine of like leveling up. You okay. Know, that would, open world, like we're I checking see. things off in the open world. That is like Jones is content. Okay. Jones is stoked. Whereas I'm, you know, blowing stuff up and causing chaos and uh-huh. shooting dudes with a shotgun. Do you think there's a lasting appeal there? Uh, I have talked to Jones now like three separate times, and I'm like, dude, we gotta play more. Okay. We gotta go. Okay. We gotta play more. So is it like just a good army of two now? It's different. It's like the 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 main okay, the main point that I want to drive home and the reason I'm on board and it's not just like, oh that was fun, I'm going to hang it up. The vehicles. The vehicles in this game are incredibly satisfying to drive, to fly, uh just being in a chopper and like parachuting out or, you know, flying over someone and like or over a base and like you know dropping jones off and then like going to another place and going just like the vehicles are really fun okay it just they feel good to drive they feel good to drive <clears> down <throat> cliffs they feel good to run people over mm-hmm. <laughs> so the uh, story and writing is not going to win any <laughs> awards yeah and the combat is uh you know you you die pretty quickly but if you're even like this much patient uh, you'll have no real problems. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just... I don't think it's the type of game... You know, we were, we were talking about this earlier. I don't think Ghost Recon Wildlands is the type of game that is supposed to challenge you. Um, it's not supposed to challenge you really mentally or physically in terms sure. of narrative or AI, you know, you enemy just difficulty. You are just... Having in, a 
Yeah. And not, I'm not using this word in a negative connotation. You're mm-hmm. having a shallow good time with your friends. Exactly. And sometimes that's exactly what you need. Yeah. Like, like uh-huh. I was hanging out with Jones online. That's what it was. Right. It's like Ian always talks about destiny. Right. And having and it be a perfect backdrop for socialization. Exactly. Now, my question to you is, backdrops for socialization, all well and good. Mm-hmm. You and Brandon Jones, I'm not trying to like make this more than it is, but you and Brandon Jones received this game for free for coverage. Yeah. Somebody said, hey, I want to have a good time for my friends. Should we all spend $60 on this? I think so. The okay. amount of, like, this is, this is a game where the quantity part of it mm-hmm. is entirely justified mm-hmm. with the price tag because there's just so many things to check off. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking for value and for a game where you can just hang out with your friends for a while every just couple like days. Just like dumb fun. Just hanging out. Big dumb blowing fun. Blowing stuff up. Big dumb fun blowing stuff up. Absolutely. Bradley Ellis, how much would it take for you to go into the wildlands of Michael Huber? You'd have to pay me. <laughs> <laughs> Not because, like, <laughs> the thing is... I have so much other stuff I'd rather play <laughs> yeah. than that. Oh, it's just a funny response. You have to pay me. Uh, Michael down behind. Pay for my time. What would it take for you to hop into the wild as the Michael Huber? Double what you're giving Brad. <laughs> it's you know like what? I was going to ask you to give a reason. It's like I could play Ghost Recon Wildlands or I could start Yakuza. And it's like, which don't, one are you going to do, Brad? Don't. Fucking tease me, yeah, Brad. Don't tease me. Ben, I'm bringing it up because it's don't it's me. there. It's waiting for me. I want to talk about I'm Yakuza. ready. <laughs> we need to talk about Yakuza. Hold on. I want to talk about something too, actually, before yeah. we go to that. Okay. Little not video games. Okay. Uh-oh. Wait, let me let me finish. Oh yeah, okay. Video games go. Really just finished Ghost Recon. Um The Again, the story and the somewhat repetitive nature of the quests Mm -hmm. uh, might turn you off. So it's one of those things where if you play this game for an hour and you're not really feeling it, then I don't think this is the game for you. Uh, This is, you know, I really want to drive home the mindless part. And and again, I don't use that as an insult because that word is so insulting to all the hundreds of developers that worked on this game for how many years, how many hours? Right. Like, there is value in this game. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I feel like, though, it is a specific pocket of playing with people. It is a social game. And especially the way they market right. this game. You know, as on Twitch, and it was a commercial for it. And it was, uh, you hear the dialogue of the players. Like, okay, I'm going in. You know, I'm doing this. Blow this up. You know, high-speed chase. Guy comes in with a chopper. Like, you know, picks up his friend explosions like it is big dumb fun in, in in the greatest way you know transformers is big dumb fun that's a 300 million dollar movie but i would still recommend you go see it in the movie theater so yeah there's nothing wrong with this game it's yeah. just, just i'm not in the position of my life to yeah. play it sure. right now cool. absolutely so and i think a lot of it hinges too if you have friends yeah oh yeah that yeah. play yeah, yeah. Uh, totally. to, again a, a positive too to point out is the way it tries to sync you up with with other players mm-hmm uh it'll be like yo this player random stranger is at a very similar point in the game as you do you want to join it's like yeah i'll hop in you can open your game close your game and that is really cool because it's you know there's something there because like co-op games whether it's two players or three players or four players like trying to manage four real world people 
to get together, to to clear their schedules, to have free time, to to be able to play like Halo Five or something, like to get four people on a given night to go through and play something is really hard. Yeah, that is yeah. not an easy thing to do. So four player co op in theory is incredible, and I love when we get four people to do something, but it's really hard. Ghost Recon Wildlands does this incredibly and because the story is kind of just there and there's so many things to do it's kind of just like not really restrictive it's not halo where it's like okay well everyone needs to be at the same spot we need to play at the exact same time and you do this it's like jones you're a little farther than me i'm just gonna hop in your game and like i'll get stuff done regardless you know i'll get some of my stuff done and organically as as we go through together and 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 that is commendable Mm mm-hmm uh, never underestimate how valuable flexibility can be. It's something it's that so I really flexible. love about Titanfall 2 mm-hmm. and how they make it so you can very easily network different groups of people for different yeah. reasons and then jump between them very easily. Yes. Yeah. More of that. That yeah. needs to be praised more yeah. overtly. I praise that, Ghost Recon Wildlands. I praise it. Bradley Ellis, what did you want to talk about? Uh, hold on. I was just thinking about like jumping into some random guy's game. And how fun it is! Sometimes you just get some dude like you it's don't incredible. know on a mic. Yeah, yeah. it's just like what up? What up? <laughs> I love it. Yeah, sure. I absolutely it's love it. Like, okay, it'll be funny. I had that in uh, For Honor. I was doing this guy, and we rematched like nine times in a row. And then when I left, he private messaged me. He's like, "Oh, dude, come back! Like, that was so good because it just like he would win, I would win. He would win, I would win. Yeah. And then like now we're friends on PSN. You have to you with. The multiplayer and random people, you have to cherish those moments where yeah. you like, find somebody that, yeah. like, isn't being a total idiot asshole. Because yeah. it's like, I still think about that time we played Left 4 Dead, like, five years ago. We got this guy named Giovanni. Giovanni! We just kept saying that yeah. playing with him. And he's like, hey, guys. Yeah, hey, guys, what's up? Yeah, he's just some super Giovanni, and he would just own, dude. Yeah. He would just wreck zombies. <laughs> It'd just be Michael and Giovanni yeah. the whole time. <laughs> it was amazing, and he was just like happily just he was going along. Yeah, yeah, he loved it. He was, he was incredible. He was incredible. Then Yakuza. So there are these oh. like machines. <laughs> there are these machines called dream machines, where you can put like a million yen into these machines and get like a random prize. So it's basically gambling. Also, did you play the dice game? I did. Oh my god. Ben, I played dice for like three hours. All right. Because it's like in the bowl. Yeah. And it's like... You did not play for three hours. <laughs> a long time. You played probably for an hour. Over, it was over an hour. Hold it on. was a long time. But for the sake of our audience, please describe the game. So it's four players and you roll dice into a bowl, mm-hmm. three dice, and there are many combinations of what you want to roll or do not want to roll. Yeah. Uh, and you bet like accordingly, mm-hmm. and you know if your dice goes out of the out of the bowl, it's like an automatic DQ, and it's just so simple but so addicting. So there's there's a lot of ways that you can gamble. In so Zero. many ways. What what was it about the dice specifically? Because I understood it. Spend... <laughs> I understood. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. That's like fair. Uh, mahjong or whatever. I just don't know how to play. You know, it's something every time I play a game, I'm yeah. like, I, I need to figure I this out. I want to play this. Yeah, I need to figure this uh, out. Just... I, I don't know how to play either. Yeah. So 
were you? Yeah, I was gonna say something, but you were like, "Scusa!" I was like, "All right." I, I, I'm not kidding, Ben. I'm not joking around because I really want to drive up on point that the ship is not sailing. Play I, Yakuza Zero. I am going to bring up Yakuza on every single I applaud you. frame trap I applaud for the you. rest of the year. It's never too late to join in. I, I'm gonna hold you to this. Okay. I'm gonna just look at you. And I'm gonna say, <laughs> "Is it time? Is it time?" Okay. <laughs> All right. Bradley uh, so some of you know wrestlemania is coming up yes. coming up ben we gotta get you to watch wrestling by ben. the way ben ben uh, can i can i just have a real moment with you guys we need this <laughs> can i just have a real yeah, yeah, moment yeah. with you yeah all right yeah all the time every time i see you guys you come in you're talking about some wrestling character and like oh my gosh you can't Wait, see, and then you pull up some YouTube video, and you're like, isn't this insane? And you're like, Ben, you gotta watch wrestling. And you go and you have your little wrestling parties, and I'm never invited. Well, usually we have viewing parties once a month in Irvine, because it's where we go to our friends. I'm yeah. just saying. Yeah. All right. I'm just saying. All right. Yeah. I'm open to the idea. Okay. If you, one time in your life, were to come, though, and be like, Yo, guys, I watch Friday Night Raw. Oh, so you're saying, you're saying if, you, I, if I showed that initiative, yeah. you would reward it. Oh, my God. Yeah. We'd freak if out. If you came and you were like, yo, so AJ Styles, like, yeah. ambush, that was pretty intense. Yeah. You're like, what? Then I would, yeah, the floodgates would open. Yeah. I, I mean, I want to do it because I do have a genuine interest. You, I, I can't believe I'm saying this because before, seriously, no joke, before I met both of you, zero interest in wrestling, I was like, this this is just not yeah. for me. Yeah. You have changed me. Yeah. I now care about it. I want to do it. It changed. He changed me with it, too. Yeah, yeah. so the same, same thing happened yeah. to you? Same thing. Okay. It's one of those things where you look at, and unless you dive in, you don't really know what it is. Sure. You know, ben, sure. like, I watched it for a while with Mike, just like the pay-per-views. I was like, oh, this is fun, but I'm not, like, hugely attached. You need to find the wrestler that you attach yeah. yourself to. Okay. That really draws like someone this. you love. And for me, yeah. this wrestler's name is AJ Styles. Why? Why AJ Styles? AJ he's, Styles. He's the phenomenal. He one. is literally the best, one of, if not the best wrestler in the entire world, Ben. Started Indies, went TNA, then wrestled in Japan. Yeah. Okay. Had a sweet stable there called the Bullet Club, yeah. where he was the leader of it, Ben. And like d- tying in all of this like anime style yeah. lore of like. People that were in Japan that have these like huge backstories, you yeah. know, they bring those backstories with them. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of it's like it's just so rewarding and like it, it, it's it feels like a giant universe. You yeah. know, they call WWE the WWE universe, but it's hard to ignore like all the other yeah the more here, other here is one concern that I have. Not to, I'm sorry to derail the conversation, but I've already had to deal with a lot of universes mm-hmm. between video games and now we got this anime show marvel on the side i try to watch movies and other television shows when i can yeah. now you're telling me i got a whole nother universe to deal with that sounds intimidating it is intimidating. i just want to like feed you the universe a little bit let you try yeah. some and see what you just think of it yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah all right so what, what's what's going on in wrestling so right WrestleMania now is coming up two weeks away wrestlemania the, the biggest is, of the year yeah. super bowl why is what Besides it being the Super Bowl of wrestling, mm-hmm. what, it's what where is it? all the story that they've been building all year usually. It's like comes. the, season, it's the finale. season finale. Okay. Of like wrestling. Once a year. Yeah, once a year. It's a you four may hour say show. The culmination. It is the culmination. So my favorite character, my favorite wrestler, AJ Styles, a heel, which is like a bad guy, pretty much. That's how they say a bad guy. Yeah. He doesn't have an opponent yet. He's been getting screwed over by the managers and everything like that in the storyline like that. Yeah. So he goes after the guy whose name is Shane, uh, Shane McMahon. The GM of SmackDown. 
Commissioner. G- oh, goes Commissioner. Yeah, Vince goes- McMahon's son. You know Vince McMahon. He is the. Yeah, yeah. Everyone yeah. I've seen the gifts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. His son goes after him. Is like I, I got. He's like ready. He's unhinged, Ben. He's like ready to strike. Wait. So good. Wait. Goes like backstage. Is yeah. like yo man. Yeah. Like, yeah. You call this opportunity. Yeah, like, yeah. Freaking yeah, out. Yeah. Everyone's like yo man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, and he's like, stage. I'm gonna do something about it. He goes and waits in the car garage yeah. for him to come. When Shane McMahon arrives, <laughs> AJ just ambushes him, beating his ass, throws him against the wall, just going, uh, uh, uh. Yeah. Then he finishes up, he throws his head through a car window. Just I'm dumb, man. Just like leaves, smashes. and he's like bleeding and shit. And they show him later, like getting worked on by the doctors or anything like that. <laughs> Then they fire AJ later. Yeah. He's like, what are you going to do? Fire me? He's like, you bet your ass you're head. Fired. You're fired. Yeah. Then he couldn't shame it, man. Like, going like... Going like... To, like, like, the, like yeah, yeah, like, get out of there. And he's yeah. like, no, wait. And he's like, all concussed and everything. And he goes, AJ Styles, you want to match WrestleMania? You got it. Yeah. And it's like, yes. I mean, that's not the match I want to see AJ Styles in. But... Shame how they del- the hits. How... Exactly. The Shane will Shane take the hit. He wrestles like once every like three years. Mm-hmm. A legend for like taking hits. The hits. Incredible. Getting thrown through glass. Thrown through glass is his specialty. There was this old. There was this old moment where he fought like uh, this Kurt Angle. This like uh, old legend. Old mm-hmm. legend amongst wrestling. Uh, they meant to replace the glass with uh, I forget the type of glass it's called, but it's like easy to go through. Yeah, you know, it's easy for, to break glass for yeah. performers. It's like sand glass or something. They forgot to change one of them into sand glass, so like Kurt Angle tried to suplex him through it and it didn't break, and he landed straight on his head, like hits the wall, hits the hall, slides so down, it doesn't it break. Yeah, and you you hear them like talking to each other, and you hear Shane. He's like again. Do it again. Like, dude, like, we gotta make this spot. We gotta commit yeah. to the spot. So, like, Kurt, like, does it again, and I, I think, I think it just, like, two or three times, doesn't break, and, like, it's Jeez. a false count anywhere match. So, Kurt Angle wants to just pin him there. To and, like, it, end yeah. it. We gotta end this. Like, it's not working. Like, it's botched. Like, end it, you know? And it sounds extremely painful. It wa- yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, James, do it again. Finally, on the third one, they go through, like, the real glass, and it's not, like, the fake glass. He's like, cut. <laughs> yeah, bleeding <laughs> shit. Yeah. It's just like, it, it, it just, I always come back to wrestling is not fake. It's staged. There is a difference. Oh, yeah. It is planned. It is predetermined. Mm-hmm. It is staged, but it's not fake. Like, Sometimes things hits. go wrong. Yeah. Mick, you take the hits. Mick Foley. Mick Foley. Mick Foley. Mankind. Yeah. So, Damiani. Mick Foley was in it the other day. Damiani. He used his, his sock up. Sock- <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even A week we ago. Sock- a week ago. <laughs> <laughs> on Triple H. <laughs> Triple yep. H. This just happened. Yeah. What, what is happening right now? Breaking See? down. See, <laughs> even Damiani well, loves it, yeah. dude. I watched it back so in the good. day. Back in the day. Like, yeah. mid to late, like, late 90s to early 2000s. Glorious. Like, literally when they had to change their name to WWE, I think it was when yeah. I stopped yeah. watching for whatever reason. PG. Just never came back. Yeah. They went for entertainment. But, Degeneration <sighs> X. No. I. <laughs> no. No. No, no, no. Sorry. No. 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 I said sorry. He said no. Sorry. What I was, what I was trying to say <laughs> is my goal for next frame trap is to tell you a wrestling moment that I watched that stuck yes. out to me. That's my goal. I recommend, if you can, just tape it, and then you just fast-forward like filler. Okay. Ben, I think that's going to be necessary. Yeah. Ben, yeah. my goal is for you to honestly 
too sweet me and like mean it like know, know the meaning means. of the too sweet oh i think you said too sweepy me like no. come to you and do a wrestling no. move and too like, sweet what? Uh, that's my goal. I do. I do think we have to move on. I've, yeah. I've yeah, appreciated yeah, of course, of course. this just like bomb of energy yeah, sorry, for this. Yeah. Uh, once again, nudging me closer to actually mm-hmm, checking mm-hmm. this out. Uh, lastly, though, yeah, one thing I want to bring up, please, the Americans. Yeah. Really so I, I asked you to bring this up because yeah. this is what you do to me. Yeah. And you've been doing this for, I think, at least a year. This is season. You will walk now, up to me, so... not just me. You'll walk up to Kyle Bossman. Yeah. And you'll go, The Americans is the best show on TV, and then you walk away, and it's like, Undoubtedly. all right, all right. <laughs> so, like, cool. No, but, cool, why is it the best but, show I on have television? Cha- I ch- I've, I've thrown this gauntlet down. I've challenged anyone, including you guys. I, I challenge people to, to to watch the first 10 minutes of the first episode, and you're in. You're in. If you watch the first 10 minutes of The Americans, and you're like, oh, I'm out. I need more. Give me more, Hubert. So, it is 80s, 1980s where Russian, a Russian family sleeper agents are in America mm-hmm. in the 1980s, post-Cold War, and they are, like, they're pro-Russia, anti-America, but they live in America. They're disguised as an American family, uh, and their son and daughter don't even know. Their son and daughter have no idea of... Their origins, they have no idea that they're Russian. So it's like this family where the mom and dad will go out and just like, you know, go on some like James Bond, mm-hmm. CIA, KGB style, uh, like espionage. And the reason it's so good, one, obviously, are the characters. Like, I am so emotionally attached to this family. It hurts. It's mm-hmm. like the... the such a connection <clears throat> these aren't just characters on tv these are not just like fantastical you know whatever kings or aliens or or like zombies like these are such real people um with such conflicting morals you know and 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 not just together it's like you have the wife and the husband and the daughter. It's like you see so many sides and there's so much depth to everything that they do. Uh, and it's just so it's just so well done. There's there's constant stakes. Nothing feels uh, like filler. It's like everything is always building. There's a constant tension. And just where the show goes, it's unpredictable. It's exciting. It's emotional. It has all the hallmarks of what you watch television for it's like why do you watch tv oh i want to see a good story i want to see characters i care about i want to see action i want to be excited i want to be emotionally invested you get all of that in the americans times 10 like i don't want to spoil anything but this season i've only watched the very first episode and it's like they are so confident now because season four they finally got some like critical acclaim like you you go and look on like best show lists it's usually always number one from critics like best show best shows of the year it's usually always the americans and they are so confident now it's like you will get a 20 minute scene like this this first episode it's not really a spoiler but like the first episode you have a 20 minute scene not one word said not one word what show has the balls to do that we're not a word is said for 20 minutes <laughs> 30 minutes 
and you're just like on the edge of your seat the entire time and nothing is even being said and you're just like oh my god what's gonna happen here that's insanely impressive yeah it's it's just an incredible show and it's funny i was talking to to beth about it it's like there were moments in like season two or three where we're like there's no way this is gonna happen or like there's no there like it's never gonna get there like that like well like when this happened like that's gonna happen and it's like sure. we have been so caught off guard now in season five we're just like wait like but, what is this like this is happening the, but the writing supports those leaps the writing's phenomenal where, where you're not just like oh we're in a different place now this feels yeah. weird and, and jarring that mm-hmm. you you when you get there you feel yeah. like you can invest because Payoffs. it makes sense payoffs dude good such payoffs watch Uh, it everyone should watch it i last time i checked it was on amazon i think it was on netflix video yeah it was on netflix for a while then i saw it on like amazon prime pretty sure it's all on prime um there's something that i'm very excited to talk to you about with very few qualifiers and i have not been able to say this about this franchise in a super long time yakuza the feel-good hit of the summer, I hope, is Sonic Mania. Sonic Mania, <laughs> Sonic. baby. Now, I, I, yes. get to, I get to check out Sonic Media at GDC. I can talk about it now. Um, and PSX, they had it. <coughs> I didn't play it at PSX. Oh, okay. So this, this was my first hands-on, eyes-on, uh, outside of a trailer yeah. with Sonic Mania. And, you know, keep in mind that whenever you see... I, I saw it for... 20 minutes whenever you see something for 20 minutes mm-hmm. it's, it's it's easy to be taken for a ride it's easy to get overexcited but do you know how when you play sonic 4 and you're like and they said this you know we're going back we're calling the sonic 4 we're going back to the roots and how they keep saying we're going back to the roots and it just never felt right the second i got sonic mania in my hand i'm like yep this is it this is how i want this game to feel but it's not just that i think that would be impressive on its own. I think people would be in for Sonic Mania if it just felt like a good goddamn Sonic game. Yeah. But the level of detail and care and how they're changing things up, because they they initially said, you know, it's a, a mix of old and new stages. How they're changing those new those old stages. So you have Green Hill Zone, right? Sonic 1. Classic. You have, the, you have power-ups from, like, Sonic 3 in there. Uh, you can... That there, sounds there, like Mania. There are mm-hmm. and the thing is they can now alter the level. So there are like vine bridges that you can use to get across. You can burn those vine bridges with the the the, the power up. And so you're revisiting these old levels, right? But you can me- mess around with them so much that you constantly feel surprised. There's mm-hmm. they've they've added so much to them. There are new animations all over the place. It looks great. Then you get to Act Two, right? And normally in a Sonic game. Uh, in, in, the, in the classic Sonic games, or at least what I'm thinking of, you, there's that transition to the next stage. In Sonic Mania, you just keep going. So you get to the end of Green Hill Zone, the thing comes out, you get the stuff, then you just keep running, and the Ooh. level greatly mm. changes. Context. And Green Hill Zone Act 2, what they made it was a concept of something they wanted to put into Sonic, but never did. And so now they're doing it. Even the brand new stages... Uh, like Studiopolis, new stage that I saw. There are so many awesome, minute references. There's this popcorn machine that you get in and it'll like pop you up to a higher level. 
That is based on an actual popcorn machine that was in the Sega offices. Crazy. Or might still be in the Sega offices. That's crazy. But what I'm trying to convey here, the real point of all it's of this... It's a celebration. Is they... You... Based on what I was told and what I saw and what I felt, there is a very deep love and respect for Sonic here that comes through and is easy to get excited about because of how immediately apparent it is. Love and respect. I want to play mm-hmm. Sonic Mania yeah. so badly. Me too. Really badly. It'll be good to play a great Sonic game again. It will be. I... Sonic Mania, yeah. dude. Um, and so that's something I saw at GDC. Another thing that I saw at GDC that I want to talk about Wait, is... There's something I was going to say. Oh, yeah. yeah uh, I had a please. quick question. No, uh, the <laughs> the um, Chaos Emeralds, mm-hmm. which is the minigame the same or different or... Uh, what I saw, I saw the, the, the Sonic 2... You're in the pipe. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Love it. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Do you think? The, do you think the Sonic One will show up? Like going through the the the, the, the maze, and then you've got oh, the yeah. like, Oh, I the love that. Three D yeah. like running around. Uh, love the maze. Uh, yeah, I love the maze. Love the, the maze. The, the tube is my favorite. I yeah, think. for sure. Yeah, uh, that is the only one that I saw. Okay. Cool. Hope they all good Yeah, signs. the ex- the extent that they. Because I was asking questions about Sonic CD, and they're like, we're not going to... So there, there might be more that they're going to announce before cool. the game comes out in the summer. <laughs> asking questions about Sonic CD is super funny to me. Sonic like, CD is Like great. how you got there is just really funny to me. Yeah. And the Game Gear one. Love Sonic on Game Gear. Uh, I, I have never played Sonic on Game Gear. Dude, I wonder if I still have it. Please, I'd like to play. Yeah. Was there 3D Blast? Was that, played on, uh, 3D was that on... What was that on? 3D Blast. 3D Blast was, uh, was that on Genesis. There might have been. I I played I played Sonic 3D Blast on Genesis. Okay. It's not a good game. Yeah, I thought there was like a it's, different it's a like, game. I, there, CD it, I, version I don't, or something. There might be a Game mm. Gear version of 3D Blast, but I I never had a Game Gear, so yeah, I'm yeah. not that familiar with the console. Um, another thing that I saw at GDC that I want to talk about that I'm that I'm a little bit more apprehensive. Of, of kind of gushing about then then uh sonic mania is dawn of war 3 oh so i stepped in and i played multiplayer i played the space marines and so hardcore i mm-hmm. remember just very 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 briefly playing dawn of war 1 and dawn of war 2 and, and remember liking them but i wasn't i didn't invest in them the way that i did other real-time strategy games and so i can't intelligently speak to their mechanics but dawn of war 3 i walked away and i was like i want to play more of that and i'm like it feels so good to be excited about an rts and uh what made it very very cool and we uh often talk about how we want to see kind of an evolution of warcraft 3 that that is still very much a real-time strategy game but you have these big powerful hero units um that's present here in a super cool way because in dawn of war 3 you have your armory, and I was playing as the Space Marines, and there are these control points on the map that you go to, and you can choose what resource they give you. And you can also build turrets on them. And so I was playing against this guy, and my strategy was, I'm going to go all across the map, <clears throat> gather all these points, build them up, and just lock him out. Nice. Because he doesn't have, you know, these mineral resources that he can just go in his base and hide out. You have to venture forth and put yourself Great. at risk Good. and figure out how to divide up your army to capture these points, and that was really cool. Um, and the other thing is, as you're going along, you're building up this currency, and you can, before you go into the game, you pick out a loadout of heroes that you want, and they're different strengths. And so it starts out, and I have this sort of cloak assassin unit that I can call in. 
Then I get this general that has this giant hammer and he's doing a whirlwind. And then the the highest level thing that I could call in was this giant bipedal mech yes. that was just raining death and destruction. And choosing when to call these things in, because you can you can call them in in the heat of battle, and it just that layer of micromanagement reminded me of that Warcraft three kind of thing where mm-hmm. you're you're not only managing this big army, you're also trying to figure out when to best use these abilities that are on cooldown, that kind of thing. And again, I I feel bad, and I'm, I'm sure the audience has a lot of corrections for me and a lot of uh, a lot more depth that they can go into because I'm just not that familiar with Dawn of War. But I do want to say that my inexperienced initial impressions of Dawn of War 3 were favorable, and I would really love to stream it with oh, you hell yeah. and get your thoughts on hell it. Oh, yeah. The only uh, Dawn of War game I played was the Space Marine. Mm-hmm. PS3? Yeah, that's that's a 40k game. game. Oh, that's, not like a, a that's not a Dawn of War. Oh, that's okay. like a spinoff game, right? Yeah. 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 That's the only, the only There are a bunch of 40k well, yeah, yeah, games. Yeah. yeah, yeah. it's not an RTS at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I'm just that universe. Oh, okay. And like Warhammer I Online. I like Space Marine, though. Like Warhammer I thought it was Online. A Warhammer cool. Online, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was fun. And that that's really the only, like, much I've dabbled in. Um, <laughs> Is the Dawn of War trilogy connected to other games or just the... so the, part of the reason why i haven't gone whole hog into it's either warhammer or 40k is because it's overwhelming and yeah. there's so much like not only are there so many video games but there's yeah. just so much lore and stuff that just from an outside perspective it's like what is going on here mm-hmm. um and so you know that doesn't excuse ignorance but uh it's something that i'm just not familiar yet that i want to be more familiar with of in the future so I talked about Sonic Mania, I talked about Donald Wolf the feeling feeling pretty good about what I've seen feeling of that confident. stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I want to talk about that I so very much just want to sit here and say, yep, they nailed it, but I, I can't quite say that, oh. is uh, I've been playing the PC trial origin access of, uh, of uh, Mass Effect Andromeda. Oh. And it's, it's not that it's terrible, but something feels off. It's not the eyes registering with me. So it's that's the eyes, man. It's, it's not just that though. That is very much a part of it. And let's <laughs> let's start with that, where the environments look pretty good. They mm-hmm. look very detailed. Uh, they they certainly have an alien quality, a sci-fi quality that you would want to them. But when you are talking to human characters, specifically human characters that aren't important, it is just distractingly awful. Both the animations and how they look. You'll, you'll be having this serious conversation with somebody and they'll just have these dead eyes that will that will move in, in such an unnatural way and you're, <laughs> you're trying to listen to what's going on. You're trying to listen to the important information they're telling you and it's just like, what is happening with your face? That's what's, I'm not, what's I don't, wrong with your face? I don't, I don't want to be too hard on it because I'm only a few hours in. Oh, okay. Maybe I will get used to it. I have certainly haven't but finished the game like that, halfway or anything. Something like that's not going to change though. Right. <laughs> and it's, it's actually only gotten worse. I've only encountered worse faces oh, as no. I go on. The aliens, the aliens look okay, but there is still this, just kind of this, this awkwardness, this stiltedness in a lot of the conversations where it is certainly detracting yeah. from this world that you're trying to immerse Which yourself in. Which is so in. upsetting because no game, like M- Mass Effect 2 mm-hmm. specifically, you know, those conversations yeah. were so immersive because 
the dialogue would flow everyone looked incredible it was a gorgeous game and just like i've never been so invested in every conversation in like mass effect 2 just like getting getting into a rhythm of just like all right like dialogue you know quick response 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 and just like the deliveries back and forth it was so engaging what was especially disheartening is somebody put up a video where they put Mass Effect saw that. 1 yep. and Andromeda side by I side. I saw that. And Andromeda, obviously, like, this is a higher resolution thing, right. but the animations in Mass Effect 1 and how the characters presented themselves looked far more natural than what? the side-by-side comparison. What? And again, yeah. you you know, you, you always have to take these things with a grain of salt where you can you can cherry pick certain situations uh-huh. to favor your argument, right? Yeah. We know sure. that. But I keep running into yeah. these instances over and over the, and over again. And I wanted to give the the benefit of the doubt before you brought these concerns. Yeah. Because it's so easy to Post a GIF online exactly. and be like, that looks like that trash. That needs to be said. So out of context. Yes. You're not in the game. You're not in the world. You're not playing it. But the fact that you have been playing right. in the world for you know X amount right. of hours and that it's alarming is... But I think it's important to be fair and accurate. I really do think, at least on the PC version that I'm playing, the environments mm-hmm. have impressed me. The aliens, by and large, look good. And so I think if you're just like, the humans look weird, it might be a little bit easier to, to dismiss and move on. But the other thing that's getting to me is the writing just isn't up to snuff. It's just not there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think maybe I, I'm coming down on this so hard because I've, I've played many other Bioware games where it just it just hasn't been a distraction in other Bioware games where it's happened here. They're just, and maybe this fades away past the beginning but the whole introduction like you kind of assuming this role of pathfinder uh you encountering hostile aliens for the first time you sort of like forming a bond with this crew that you're thrown into this situation with all of it just feels either rushed or it's like wait a minute people don't talk like that and again the 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 world unnatural the word stiff keeps coming into my head uh, with a lot of these conversations. And not not all of them are like this. There have definitely been lines that have made me chuckle or have made me go like, oh, I want to know more about this person. And so again, I think, you know, this isn't condemning Mass Effect Andromeda, but it certainly doesn't feel like, right now anyway, this big, awesome sequel that I was waiting for. Mm-hmm. It, it, I, I'm, I'm feeling a little disappointed. How's uh, the combat? Good question, Brad. Um, I think the combat, for the most part, is pretty good. Uh, good. The the there's there's sort of a weight to everything that I like. Like when you're when you're shooting guys, when you're using your biotic powers, there's an impact there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've I've really enjoyed it. Every skirmish that I've been in, uh, and the other thing is playing on normal difficulty. I do feel that if I'm careless, I'm being punished for it. Oh, I'm good. taking enough damage. My shield isn't regenerating so quickly that I can not think about it. Um, and I do feel like I'm, I'm having to use a lot of the tools that I have. And so I'm, I'm, I'm getting... Horizon style. Sure. I am getting a lot of enjoyment out of the combat. Uh, the other thing is just you can you have these uh, jet boosters that you can jump up and dash and, and using <sighs> that to like dart around and, and 
and find the perfect spot for laying down fire um, and using your squad and positioning in the right spot. All of that stuff, I would say I'm, I'm very much enjoying. The one, I love air dashes, Ben. I do too. I Who doesn't love a good air, air dash? dash. Uh, the one thing, Brad, and I'm curious to get your thoughts on this, and maybe maybe I'm being unfair here, is the... Because Blower said he played a bunch of multiplayer and it made him more comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. Is the auto cover... Right now, my initial response is it's just... I would rather go up, hit a button, stick to cover. Yeah, I mean, I always would. Because I, I feel like there's there's a lot of moments where I'm going, it's like, oh, wait, no, I don't want to go into cover, but because of this thing where I don't have to push if, in a button, you're, you're going to If something happens with your character in combat that you do not intend to, yeah. I have a problem with it. Right, and it, it's kind of what I was bringing up with, with the Spectre Knight thing, where I feel like I wish, like, game I can handle that extra layer of control, and I wish I had it here. Again... It's something different. It's something that maybe I'll get used to. But yeah, yeah that sure. is one thing about combat. That uh, one concern I have. How how are, how's your crew in it? Do you care about these crew members you have with you? Do you want to explore yeah. their stories? So it's it's interesting talking to Bloodworth because he's uh, there's a crew member named Liam where he's like I, you know I, I had I sit down I had some drinks with Liam and I I feel really good about him. Cool. And I haven't had that moment. Because my initial impression of Liam, when <clears throat> his response to the situations at hand, that sort of initial encounter with the hostile aliens and meeting you for the first time, I was like, one, this guy isn't all that interesting, and his responses are just, they, they paint him in a light where it's like, oh, I don't really like you. But I haven't had those loyalty yeah. missions. I haven't had those. I see. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Girl. I know you're super early. I was but, just curious. Uh, there, there, there hasn't yet been a character where it's like, you i want you i mm-hmm. want to know more about you mm-hmm. um and so we'll see uh bloodworth saying and it feels bad relaying his words through me but he he is saying to me that that the crew and your development with them is one of his favorite points so far oh great, great. so i think that, that's i think that's worth bringing that's a good up. selling point that's, yeah that's uh, great that's, that's good that's why i play mass effect yeah really, is, absolutely uh, just hanging out with that crew and uh, I have one yep. more question Bonds. how is like exploration of a world or anything like that yeah um initially optimistic about it it's it's it seems like it's definitely going after more of the mass effect one Mm -hmm. where they're they want you to explore these planets they want you to go out and they seek out and find things Mm -hmm. and during the the sort of opening mission there are optional things that you can do that that are really easy it's like you have a branching path and you can go and you do these things but they they work that into the dialogue it's oh it's because you didn't do this optional Mm -hmm. thing we're gonna give you more information during this cutscene, or we're gonna work it in somehow, and so tentatively optimistic. Uh, I'm kind of on my first planet right now, running around doing things. Sure, yeah. Uh, just got the vehicle, and so I I hope that unlike Mass Effect One, where it was largely very very empty, that this this feels more rich and meaningful. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, not able to say definitively, but tentatively sure, optimistic. Cool. That's good, for sure. Any other questions about Mass Effect? How you feel? How you feel? I'm more interested in it now than I was. Okay. I'm just so buried with other things. Other games. The only Mass Effect I really cared about was two, pretty much. I love Mass Effect. But uh, I mean, I love all of them. I'm more. I'm interested to play this one actually now. Cool. Uh, Michael Damiani, what's your history with Mass Effect? How do you feel about Mass Effect? I mean, I played the original trilogy. Uh, I've been skeptical about Andromeda. Mm -hmm. Uh, before I heard anything about it directly from anyone I trusted, it's I had negative vibes about it. 
Then someone recently told me that they got to play it at a preview event, and I think it was mostly combat what they saw and what they were talking about, mm. and they described it as being you know pretty good that they, mm. they had a good time with it. Uh, don't worry about that. But then all the stuff came out this week about you know the images of the animations and stuff, and mm-hmm. that had me worry. I was like, oh no, is this, like is it going to be like? That were they just cherry picking, showing people good parts in the this previous is be a stuff? Screwed Unity situation. And, and, and is this like is is it gonna break immersion during like key points because the characters gonna look goofy or something? And then and now it's more people saying it's just the humans. Yeah, it could be bad, but like everything else looks really good. Mm-hmm. And then people saying, basically right now it seems like it's kind of all over the place it's from different sources, and it has me not I don't want to say on edge, but. It's making me inclined not to want to play it right away. Sure. Yeah. It's making I think me want to wait to response. hear a little bit more of people actually play through the whole thing and say, "All right, here, here's what I thought I thought about it," rather than these initial impression things. Cool. Well, that is the two hundred fifteen minute "What have you been playing?" segment. Before we move <laughs> into the rest of the show, we are going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. back we're all refreshed ready to go into the rest of the show there is one thing i want to bring up before i move on i've said that uh i was going to talk about the uh the silver case oh, a yeah. visual novel yeah. adventure game from suda that is really really cool i'm gonna do one better we have we have a special thing coming up with the silver case so that's why i'm not talking about it here because we're going to be doing oh, more with it nice. later so please be excited uh if you were looking forward to that conversation. But, you know what time it is? What time is it? It's time to sit down, relax, breathe, and have a nice. Hotake! <laughs> this week, I was thinking, and, and, and I, I had a thought that I wanted to run by you guys. Maybe it's bullshit, maybe it's not, but there's a sense that I can't shake. And that sense is that games don't feel like they have the same lasting impact that they once did. And what I want to talk about, and obviously, again, this is this is kind of a weird space, but I remember... In younger days, when I was a kid, when when access to both information and video games was less, mm-hmm. you know, I would get. I remember playing Ocarina of Time for a year and a half, and you, I just wrung the whole thing out of that. And obviously, times have changed. My job is to cover a lot of video games yeah. in a short amount of time. I understand that, but I think it's more than that. I already I'm seeing people that are just sick of discussing Breath of the Wild because they feel like they've seen it all, you know? There have been countless Twitch streams, countless YouTube videos, every gaming site cover it. And so you're just bombarded posting all the final sides. Boss. Posting the final boss. Yeah. It's just... <laughs> a game comes out, and it feels like the next day you go on the internet, and there it all is. Yeah. And oh, so, oh, yeah. Day, I mean, of, day of release, even. Yes. Day and, of release, everything is there. Right. And, Full guide written, full meta... Here you go. Everything's figured out. Day one. And obviously, 
a lot of that is on you, the player, to, to not engage with that stuff. Mm-hmm. But I feel, I still feel like you can sense it. Yeah. And I still feel like it has an effect on games overall. And I feel like just kind of as uh, a culture, I suppose, we kind of move from one thing to the next more and more quickly as time goes on. Do you mm-hmm. think, is, is this true or am I just yes, feeling this is true. Damiani, what do you think? <laughs> I agree with you. Your point about when you were like when we were all younger and we spent more time with games, I, I don't want to speak for everyone else, but most people I've spoken to that this comes up. This has come up before a lot of other people, the subject, is that when you were younger, you didn't have as many games. Not there weren't as many games released is not the issue, is that you were only provided mm-hmm. fewer oh, games because yeah. you were right. a kid. Your parent was you didn't have the means to go out and buy whatever you wanted, and your parents probably were only selecting you know, one or two games every so often. You might have, some people might have only gotten like one, two or three games a year. Yeah. Got my Mario 64, got my Turok. So for, I'm good. Yeah. Like for me, like <laughs> I, I had only an, like a Nintendo console growing up. So yeah. during N64, like when Ocarina Time came out, that game lasted me forever. Mm-hmm. Like I would replay it and replay it and replay it. I think it also has a combination of I had more time when I was younger sure. um, and less responsibility. So co- combine that all together, I feel like a lot of people went through that experience. But I do concede that in today's environment that even young people now don't necessarily like consume it that way anymore. They, mm-hmm. they feel the need to kind of move on because... The, you know, the prevalence of social media, how easy it is to access information with everything we have, that it's always like, what's next big, next big thing? So I think it's a product of the times have changed a bit, but also when you're younger in general, this is very general because it's not true for everyone, you do have a little bit more time to spend with each game because you aren't the one in control of your purchasing decisions usually. Well, mm-hmm. even like when you're a kid, you see the world differently. Mm-hmm. Things wow you more. Mm-hmm. Things are more magical. Like you right. get old, you get jaded. You get used to things. How many games have mm-hmm. we beat? You know, thousands. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, right. you know, game like a uh, Body Harvest or something as a kid. I'm just like, this is the craziest thing sure. I've ever seen on a place. You could drive a car. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I think there's that, and and I don't know many kids playing games, but uh, my friend does have a eight year old, and. He does stick with a game for actually a, a quite a while. Mm. Uh, he played like Garden Warfare Two for many many months. Sure, plays Overwatch still like all the time. Um, Minecraft was one. Yeah, I heard kids sure. stick so, with her a long time. Yeah. So, so I do think maybe kids do stick on on games a little a little longer than us adults. So, it, so maybe it could not- just be a lack of perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there is definitely more for them to get distracted with. Yep. Mm-hmm. So uh, it probably was, you know, again, theoretically, th- theorizing, uh, you know, they they didn't have just one or two N64 games. There's so much for them to get lost mm-hmm. in, but I think maybe they do stick with something for a little longer. So focusing, I guess, on the amount of information, kind of removing the, oh, it was better when we were kids side, just focusing on the now, do you think the abundance of availability of entire games so quickly is a good thing a bad thing a mixture of both how do you, how do you feel about it how do you process it how do you deal with it do you think about it i do think about it i think it is a blessing and a curse um the curse of the backlog everyone jokes about it mm-hmm. uh but it it in a way oh man this is kind of a scary thing to say in a way it kind of devalues 
a big release mm. you know why why does it devalue a big release like a horizon zero dawn Th- this is a game where you know 10 or so years ago this would be the game this is it horizon zero dawn's coming out this is the one baby this is the one we're doubling down on mm-hmm. and a week later it's forgotten it's old news already. it's old news it's old news and like you so, were saying about zelda yeah. zelda just came out we've been waiting seven years for zelda right and it's already all right we all beat it wash our hands yes. on to the next it's weird isn't it mm-hmm. it is extremely weird and, and unsettling. i want to talk about that effect a little yeah. bit uh where where it it, it it affects does it okay not does it that not saying, not trying to put words in your mouth, but yeah. does it affect your mental state playing a game when you feel like generally people have moved on? It okay, it did, but Yakuza Zero now helped me. I'm in a new place this year, 2017, new <laughs> place because I took a little bit more time with Yakuza Zero. I did the side quest. I hung out. I know you had finished it. You reviewed it. Obviously, other people had finished it. People were asking me, like, yo, when can we talk about this? And I said, you know, I'm taking I'm in my own world. I I silenced everything and I just enjoyed it for what it was, and it felt really good. And and I did that with Zelda, and it really helped. Mm-hmm. I went into a deep dark cave with Zelda. I was completely off the internet sure. for the week or so, the a week and a half that it took me to beat. And I think that helped. Let me throw something back at you. Mm-hmm. So you, you've you've achieved this zen-like state. Yeah. You're able to shut out the noise. Yeah. Is there ever anxiety that you're missing out on the conversation? Yeah, with Neo. I missed I missed the conversation. I missed the hype. What, is that, what dis- does that feel like? It feels terrible because I missed the discovery, you know? People okay. discovering mm-hmm. things in Neo. People, like, there was, I remember I heard somebody talking to Jones about, like, this wall that you could, like, bow to or something. I was like, man, that's, like, souls-level stuff of discovery yeah. And now all of that has been picked clean. So anytime I discover something, when I eventually get to Neo, it might lose a little magic because everyone's been there, done that. So how do you reconcile that? I'll tell you how I, I try to zone it out. I try to now, now that it has been so long, now, now going back to Neo, it might feel a little, a little better because it's like, okay, everyone's moved on. Everyone's going that way. So you've way. created enough distance. Yeah, everyone's going that way. Everyone's moved on. And it's like, all right, now I'm going to go mm-hmm. and kind of enjoy Neo on my own mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. And kind of just drown everything out. Brent? Um, I handle like a lot of that kind of thing now about being okay with leaving a game behind for mm-hmm. a while. Like if I'm worried about something being ruined for me, I will focus on like a Souls game, for example. I'm going to push everything aside that I have that I am playing to play that game so nothing gets ruined for me regardless of where you are in those other games usually yes or I plan ahead for that instance like mm-hmm. for example Persona 5 is coming out so I'm not thinking about starting Horizon because I want to beat I want to beat Nier because I could beat Nier probably before uh, uh, Persona 5 comes out so I'll mm-hmm. be okay I'll be caught up mm-hmm. but like yeah I'm just as I've gotten older I've been okay with pushing stuff aside and you're willing to let later. go yeah I'm willing to let go now and I'm happier for it because I can't yeah it can't be a burden to your backlog. Like, yeah. You can't be a slave to it, is what I yeah. meant. Play what you want to play in the moment. Yeah. Brad, Brad, I got another question for you. Sure. So let's say a game is coming out. You're tentatively interested in it, mm-hmm. whether it's a new IP or just something something that, that you think could be cool, but you're not 100% sold on it. Mm-hmm. Well, how do you approach it? Do you How much media do you consume without feeling like you ruin yourself? 
it depends upon the game like yeah if i'm like not super interested into it or like i'm just kind of like whatever on it mm-hmm. i'm cool with the trailer to get the idea or maybe two okay. cool with that and, and is have, that usually where you stop that's usually where i'll mm-hmm. stop yeah i'll have a feel if I'm, I'm like if i'm curious about the game like a trailer two will is usually enough for me that, that's it. how I am with movies too. Same exact thing. I love watching one trailer mm-hmm. when it comes out. The day that first trailer comes out, you watch it, then you go media blackout until you see it. Yeah. And it's usually not like a launch trailer that I'll watch. I don't oh, watch God, that because no. then they're God, really no. giving away too much. Yeah. I'll watch that couple, like a month before the game comes out. Damiani, how do you deal with it? I'm, well, honestly, I want to do say one thing real quick before answering that. Um, I do in general feel that like we move on from games quickly uh i don't always think that we are indicative of everyone else like us here Mm -hmm. like easy a because um and i'll be a dissenter on this one because like i don't think the conversation has moved on from breath of the wild yet Mm. i still feel like there are a ton of people still talking about it Mm -hmm. um i just feel sometimes in with our jobs we have to because of responsibilities move on to the next game sure and we don't our focus really isn't on sticking on a big release that unless you go self-discovery and go like dive into the community and stuff and see that uh the 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 findings that they have that aren't just like you know the very you know hit you in the face on twitter because everyone's retweeting it type stuff uh i think we miss out on that a little bit honestly uh and so i don't know if it's just because it's me and i really like zelda but i don't remember this happening really with skyward sword or the past few zeldas i don't remember it sticking for every very long or there being much traction uh, outside the usual things with breath of the wild i i do feel differently from what i'm seeing and what i'm interested in and who uh, other people i'm talking to so i do feel so far it's breaking the mold and remember like um. i started playing it earlier and I have to remind myself, like, I've been playing it for over, like, about a month. Right. People have only been playing it for two weeks. And yet I'm still wanting to play it, still wanting to discover stuff, but still want to talk about people mm-hmm. or talk with people about all this stuff in it. Um, but I think that's more exception than the norm in general for... Yeah, like, Resident uh, yeah. Evil stuck around a little while. Yeah. It was cool because they had those two batches of DLC. I think right. that really helped. I think it was a good idea to do that where it's like, all right, two weeks after the game's out, we're going to have a DLC. And then like one or two more weeks later, we're going to have another DLC, like kind of story related. uh, And that keeps the conversation going for a little extra longer, which I liked and appreciated. I want to clarify. I I totally agree with you, actually, Damiani, that there is still a lot of people that have very much not moved on from Breath of the Wild. But it was just I, I encountered that sentiment at all and that's what prompted yeah. the conversation in the first place oh yeah there are people who like just played through it yeah and are like we're, i'm done with it yeah. I, and, and i just thought it was an interesting thing to think and about. it's more commonplace now i would i would say with a lot of people that they they just they play what they want to play they move on and they don't have any interest in anything else about with discovery with that game uh your dlc thing is perfect mm-hmm. i think that's one of the reasons for me why I feel like, to me, fifteen Final Fantasy fifteen has fallen off the face of the earth for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I'm so down on that. The DLC now, I, I just want to say, I don't know if I really care anymore about that. They took a too long, long, too long for me. Way too and long. That's my fear with Zelda now. Despite it being huge for people who want to do all that extra sure. stuff, it is all just the same thing again. Technically, just how much, how interesting is exploration to you? Will carry you for 150, 200, 300 hours that we've been alluding to, or do you need more story content or more dungeon type content? Which the first one's supposedly in the summer, the other one's in winter holiday. Oh, yeah, it's a December thirty first, so, so it could even so, slip into next year. Yeah, that's so far away. I worry about those types of plans, but yeah, doing immediate DLC mm-hmm. 
does help keep that interest going for a little longer. Well, and it depends too. Like if a game comes out, to 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 be fair for Zelda, no big game has come out since Zelda. No, you know, Mass Effect is coming next, so it'll be interesting to see. Near baby. Oh, near. Well, I feel like near is this like no big game. No big game. Yeah, it's just <laughs> it's a big game. I'm, I'm kidding. Feel, no, I'm kidding. That. It's an interesting point because I feel like Nier is sliding so far under the radar and not a lot of people are talking about it. Don't let it slide, Huber. I won't. Yeah, I won't. That uh, is disrespectful. I'm sorry, uh, Nier. It's okay. But yeah. it's like no one's really talking about Nier. I also never answered your question, your original question. How it's, do okay. I like, it's okay. It was a good point. <laughs> the uh, tune out stuff. Um, This might be very cynical uh, and, and I don't know if it's going to come off as not nasty, but... It has to be done. And I'm going to bring up a specific point here, Huber. Yeah. Uncharted 4. Mm-hmm. When you found out, I did not know about the PlayStation 1 and the, and the Crash Bandicoot stuff in the game. Uh. You were like, Tomiani, how did he not know about that? Yeah. And play it like seven months yeah, after the game yeah, came yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's because I have actually trained myself, whether it was consciously or subconsciously, if I know I'm not going to play something till later, even if it's like being thrown in my face on social media... I just felt like I process. I goes in one ear, out the other ear. I just go into don't give a shit yeah. mode is what I call it. Just, this is great. I don't. Yeah. I just like oh spoilers for this. Good. I'm gonna forget. Tell me Game of Thrones wow. stuff. I'm gonna forget about it because if I watch, I'm gonna do it six months from now. I need that. I ain't gonna, I'm not gonna remember that, that shit is- because I'm telling my body and mind to say don't care about it. It's yeah. it's worthless. Don't like. Training. This is yeah. This is I some, need this some training. Yeah, monk this, on yeah. a mountain. It's just like, and like I'll go back and do stuff, and people are like I told you about that. Did you yeah. forget? I'm like, because oh, I, I didn't care. Sorry. Like I wasn't yeah. playing it then. I was engaging with you, but like Jeez. I need to like just like like I need to treat it like it's not very important information. My brain's just like yeah, dump it. It's stupid. Like don't don't who cares? I don't need to waste space storing that. God, that was all over the internet so fast. Like nothing is sacred, you know. Yeah, and I'm pretty um, sure I saw it at some point. I was like, I had oh, yeah, the, seen you know, something of the it. The tweets are just like, whoa, can't believe yeah. this is in the game. Oh, my God, yeah. dude. Also, yeah. I know. I, just think of it. You could apply that to every game. Every game. Uh, yeah. Also, a thing I do do as well is if I am a, if I see a spoiler or start reading of one uh, and I wasn't aware of it, I do as whatever I can to interrupt immediately, like X out or whatever. Because I think people have the habit of once they've read it, I'm already in. I already saw it. I'm just going to keep reading it. I feel like that cements it more in your brain that like it's gonna stick with you. What if you like ignore it and pretend it didn't happen? Mm-hmm. And if you go long enough and like focus on other stuff, like oh, I'm doing other work today and playing other games, you will forget about I it. Can't die. I, at I least I do. Fixated. I will forget about it. And I'll, like, I have so so many things going on in my head. The way my brain I don't, works. I won't remember it. I'll be like, oh, I think I when I get to that moment, I'm like, oh, this is cool. I think people actually were talking about this months ago, but I'm glad I forgot about it because <laughs> I didn't remember it. So. Lucky man. Um, I don't know. An- another thing I want to throw into this conversation is thinking back to previous generations of gaming. Uh, th- there were just there were just less avenues available. You know, there there wasn't uh, downloadable games weren't a concept. You couldn't get your game crowdfunded. Yep. A lot of these things are are new concepts that have really diversified video games in a way where a lot more things have a chance. And games that couldn't have succeeded in another era can now succeed. And that's a beautiful thing. That deserves applause. That deserves praise. That's 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 a good thing. But I sometimes I wonder when there there it feels like there's just a relentless assault of things coming out from all corners. That is it is it too much? Is it is that a problem? Is there a way we can make this better? Is there a, a filtering that we can do to 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 discover the good from the bad? Or is it 
Is it just, are we kind of in the throes of this? Or I, is it a problem at all? I, I liked your answer earlier, Huber, about the blessing and curse of all this happening. Yeah. Uh, and I want to hit on the blessing part. It does kind of stink that there's so much out there that it's almost impossible to really dive into all of it and really enjoy it and, and really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, because there's so much out there, it means just a little bit more diversity in the content than we had when we were younger. Mm-hmm. It means there's likely something for everyone nowadays. Yeah. So that while you're going to miss out on a lot more, there's a higher chance you're going to encounter something that you are really going to love and be passionate about. Whereas back in the day, there was only so much. If you didn't get attached to that, you might be like, oh, gaming's not for me. I couldn't connect with any of these things. I'm going to go look for another hobby or something. I bet now, like, you know, people like to argue you don't even call people gamers anymore because everyone plays video games. There's, about, there's like something literally for everybody. And that that's great. But and it also I, stinks that we might miss something yeah. amazing that we, we would, could have found. And I cling to those wonderful games even harder now. Mm. Even more. Like, The Witcher 3 is, like, one of the last games that... It's been years now. Right. And I think about it all the time. All the time I think about Witcher 3. So it's just, like, when I find a game now, and, and like, even Zelda or Resident Evil 7, it's like, when I get that game now amidst all of this oversaturation... I cling to it even harder. Movies too, same thing. When I get a movie, I'm just like, Sicario, yes. Like, oh my God, I just grab it tight, hold on, never forget. Uh, another thing, not, not to throw too much into this, but you've, just, you've all made me think about very different aspects of this uh, that I really like and I appreciate. And, and it is, again, a very new thing. It feels like is there are I think before the way the only way people could communicate about the value of something is how much it sold. And so you saw a lot of great games, a lot of great series with so much potential die just because they didn't sell. And I feel like now there are more direct and immediate and obvious ways for fan to communi- fans to communicate, no, we want to support this. We're willing to get behind this. And so you're seeing these great revitalizations. Buy Donut Rumble 1 and 2 on an HD console. Just pick it up. Help the cause. Shenmue 3. <laughs> uh, Wasteland 2. <laughs> a, a spiritual successor to Planescape Torment. All of these things that people have longed for just such a long time. And it's just, it keeps happening again and again and again and again. And that is something that I'm really thankful for because not only is it giving the people that want more of that, uh, that it's filling that void. But here's another thing that it's doing that I think is important, is it's keeping it a part of these com- conversation. I care about gaming history. I care about the evolution of things. And having these revitalizations, having these spiritual successors, is introducing to a younger or simply just not aware audience all of those great things of the past. And, and it, I think it's just enriching our appreciation and knowledge and making us able to understand video games better as a whole and i can only see that as a positive thing and another another thing too is the the reverse of like uh the the conversation i feel like the conversation comes before the game now back in our day you know sure back in the day it was after because you would get your magazine once a month you know, and that that would yeah. basically be it. You get your game pro, you're like, okay, that game looks cool. Get That's it when it. I get it. You know, 
I remember games would casually get delayed at the game store. They'd be like, oh, we didn't get it this week. You know, there was not less of a hard date for games. It would just like kind of, they would just not get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I rarely knew when a game came out. Yeah. Or so, if a game was so out. So now because of this oversaturation and, and, and just talking about a game so much and the buildup and the, uh, the trailers and the, the hands-on previews and the events and just everything leading up to it. It's okay. We finally got it. Now we're done. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Sure. I. It's just. It's. It's just so, hard to stick that feeling sometimes. We're just yeah. like, no, I want. So it's weird. Is it, it's almost. It's like, should we be? Uh, when a game came, comes out, is it just more of a singular thing? Should we just exclude the conversation at all in a way? Because there's been all this lead up and build up and hype leading up to it with everyone commu- as a community. Here's and then my maybe when the game that. comes out, it's like, should we go in an echo chamber or, or, or isolation? I think, I think echo chambers are bad. <laughs> what we should strive for, even though it's really hard to do and is not feasible, is we should always, as much as possible, try to be as open-minded and open to the mm-hmm. possibility to as many games yeah. coming in and appreciating them as, as over. Because I'm not saying that people can't have opinions or tastes or like certain things and not like others, yeah. but I, I've... In my entire life, it's always been 100% true that the more open you are to things, the better off you are. Mm-hmm. That's, that's just always been true for me personally. My door is really wide it. open. It is. I think that's something <laughs> the Allies are, are largely good at. Are we ready? Don't want to cut anybody off. Or are we ready for the, the, yeah. the final yeah. section of this podcast? It's time it. for emails. You don't watch Iron Fist, man? <laughs> Tonight. Uh, our first email I really like this one a lot and Brad I'm going to shoot this one at you first okay? alright this one is from Filippo I hope that's how you pronounce your name uh, if I get it wrong let me know in the comments hello allies I have a question for you did it ever occur to you that a game sparked an interest or even just looking them up on the web not related to gaming for example in high school I bought Namco Bandai's Eternal Sonata and it's small bits about uh musical work really fascinated me and I ended up reading a whole book uh, Chopin? Is it? Yeah. Chopin? Chopin. Chopin. Chopin's works and it really fascinated me. I ended up reading a whole book of his biography and I still often listen to his music and I never listened to classical music before. I also watched some of the movies that inspired uh, Kojima for MGS and recently uh, looked up Sartre? Sartre? Not familiar with these names. Sartre's philosophy thanks to Nier Automata. Do you have similar experiences, and do you think developers should try harder to push gamers into expanding their cultural baggage, or just keep being simple entertainment? Has a game ever inspired or yeah, sure. deepened an experience? Sure. Uh, I think two examples in my brain right now. Uh, both are Souls, obviously. Sure. Uh, one was getting into Berserk, reading it. Okay. Uh, learning about Miyazaki's love of that series and how much it influenced him on design and characters and world and all that kind of stuff. The second one was Bloodborne with H.P. Uh, Lovecraft. Nice. A lot of like his stories that influenced Miyazaki in that sense. So I went out and got a couple of his books and stories, and I read a bunch of them. Just kind of seemed like, oh, how would I say it? It was just really cool for me to, I'm really interested in seeing where Miyazaki comes from on a standpoint of like design and everything. Because like, he's such like, how he got in the industry is so unorthodox. And it's kind of yeah. like how I feel like I got into it. I feel like I relate to him in a lot of ways, and I like to figure out how he kind of thinks about things like that. It, 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 like, learning about things that got him into stuff 
made me feel kind of closer to how he thinks, which I really appreciated about. Like, I want to see, like, I want to have a conversation with him, you know? Like, Mike always talks about this. He wants to sit down and have a conversation with him. And I like to know kind of, like, what, it gives me a taste of, that? like, what kind of person he is and how he thinks kind of thing like that. Isn't it the best feeling when you don't just like something, but you want to understand how it can yeah. be? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That feeling, that that impulse for not obsession, but just fascination. Yeah. It's the best. I get that a lot with movies. More, yeah, way, way totally. More, way yeah. more so than, than video games. Mm. I love film directors. Guillermo del Toro, Quentin Tarantino, you know, Stanley Kubrick. Million, all of them. You want to sit down and have a conversation? I want to sit down. I want to know how they think. Uh, I, when I find someone I like, I, you know, that's really what started my whole thing of like, no, I got to go in order. It, it stems from film. I like watching a director's filmography in mm, order seeing that evolution seeing the evolution seeing the through line seeing the themes like seeing all that are there specific examples of how not just we'll, we'll expand it beyond games any media has ex- it's inspired another unrelated interest mm-hmm. none that really like not that come to mind I'm sure I'll think of a bunch later sure but. think on it Damiani yeah. uh, I'm trying to think of better examples I mean anytime I have ever watched uh, or read something about the making of especially zelda games the some of the creators will talk about like their inspirations um i mean the easiest one i can give like i didn't go check out ultima after miyamoto said that that was like an an inspiration for like the original zelda like they're gathering ideas from but uh like majora's mask like the, it was supposed to be like a, a chinese opera was like their theme for it i was like what the heck like i've never seen anything where chinese opera was like what time to go look up video like of Chinese opera or something to find those out. And that wasn't until like years after the game came out because I didn't have the means then. But I remember I was rewatching something again. I was like, oh yeah, they said this was inspired by Chinese opera. I should, I want to go check one of these out because like, what, what do they mean by this? Like, I don't, I don't get it because I'm not familiar with this. It was just cool to like watch one and see like, okay, I'm seeing where they're getting some of these tropes for from this game. And I, I've just, I, I'm, I know there's been stuff with, uh, like and it's not to go read something else, but like it's also games have gotten me to go read, you know, manga uh, from the game as well. Like sure. I know they do will do manga adaptations of something, and then like that will get me to like dive into that, and then I'll find out that that artist has done other series, and I'm like, oh, okay, they 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 worked on this, so I, I actually I didn't know they worked on this this series. That's actually pretty cool. Um, I think one of the like I always forget their name, the artist who did. The A Link to the Past guide artwork was a really good artist. And they, when I looked up their name and saw what other art they did, I just like went down this rabbit hole of all this like cool art they have drawn and stuff. Because it was unlike anything I had seen. I thought it was way better than anything like the artist that Nintendo did. This is like some freelance person they hired as contract. I was like, geez, this is really good stuff. And their talents expanded way beyond just video game stuff. They were drawing for every type of thing. I was just like... This is this is like great, and like I can see like their influence. I was like, I would want a Zelda game that looked like your artwork. Where 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 is this coming from and stuff? And there there's been like more moments like that where I'll like I'll even go further and like start going on Wikipedia, start reading about like you know okay they talked about like this type of like term and stuff, and I'll just fall down a rabbit hole. I'll catch myself for like I've been on Wikipedia for like two hours, like just diving further and further into a subject, yeah. which spawned because I was looking up for like a video game. And the best is when I get into science stuff 
and it's so far beyond me. I love reading like, shit wow. on Science Wiki where you can't even comprehend yeah. it because you're not in that specialty field. It's like that al- it, sound it's like alien <laughs> to you. It's so scary. It's like who does like the people who like, do this, this stuff? I've got to be geniuses. Like you can never toss around the word genius again until you can explain this to me. This is insane. Like. Go go out they go watch Interstellar and be like, oh black holes and stuff. Let's go read about them. Oh, holy shit. I'm like I'm scared I of life right now. There's, there's, I don't understand anything about the world anymore. I'm scared. I have a good one. Yes. Every this is why I love this series, because every single time I play Assassin's Creed, I research that time period to death. Mm. To death. I love it. That's cool. I, I like that. I love like that is the reason I play those games is to be in that world in in that time in that place in that time period, you know? Cool. Just love it. I have a really embarrassing one. Hmm. Uh when I was young, I was in 4th or 5th grade. I think around the time, 4th, 5th or 6th, around that area. I played Tony Hawk's Pro Skater oh, for the yes. first time. Yeah. And I was like Skateboarding yes. is the coolest <laughs> thing ever. And I went out and I bought a skateboard. What what do you remember what deck it was? What I, company? I bought a Tony Hawk. Oh. Oh. I, I was a kid. I was a kid. It had like this sick pterodactyl on it. It was like the the hawk that's like a skeleton. Was yeah. It that? I thought okay, you have to understand. I Hey. Tony Hawk was no, really no, no, no. I'm just, I'm just picturing it in my yeah. brain right that's now. Awesome. Yeah, I remember like that. Me, I remember that stuff. That's like me with Fast and the Furious, man. I, I went so <laughs> every once or twice a month, I would go to a skate park and try to like Dude, do sick. ollies and go down. Dude, at least I respect that you yeah. did that, man. That's cool. I got, I got, I broke my leg. Oh, I got all scarred Dude. up. Oh. But my dad, like, I was, I was not good. I was never a good skateboarder, but I loved it. Yeah. I really did. I, I thought. Everything about it was fascinating. I actually met some pretty cool people through it. Um, and my dad, it was such a touching moment for me because my dad was like, he's like, oh, he's like actually committing to this skateboard thing. He's really doing it. And so he went out and he had this friend make this grind rail for me. Sick. And he like brought it home. And Sick. It was cool. So yeah, my cool. dad used to build us ramps. Cool surprise. Yeah. So cool. I love that. And Dude, I remember that. Yeah, the ramps. I'm not even kidding. Yeah, I remember uh, this. Multiple Whoa, ramps. Weird. My what? dad. My dad built me my because me and my brother skateboarded. Built us uh, multiple ramps, nice. handrail, lots of stuff. I remember the ramp. We never broke a bone too. I was Holy shocked. Crap. Both of us. Careful, dude. Jay, yeah, yeah, don't we don't skateboard anymore. Dude, it's I want so another. Fun. You're gonna like Hawks trip outside and break your wrist. Yeah, something. good one. Oh, jeez. Um. Our next email comes in from Wesley. He says, Hi, allies. Brennan's recent review of Horizon made me notice a common theme in the group. In the review and on podcast, Brennan talks about how much he's enjoying the game, literally in terms of that it's a five-star game for him. Yet he realizes it will probably let other people down. The score at the end reflects other theoretical people rather than Brandon himself. Since then, I've heard Huber bring up Ratchet and Clank, uh, his Ratchet and Clank review process relating to his time uh, in college. Uh, taking journalism courses, uh, the group discussed Damiani's Breath of Wild review, losing a point for technical hiccups, and Kyle joked that he'd give Pokemon Sun and Moon two stars. That seems like more than a joke now. It seems like the group favors a goal of objectivity rather than subjectivity in reviews. 
but we're not reviewing dishwashers. Does it make sense to strive for objectivity? I'd like to ask, <laughs> would all of your favorite games get a five-star review from you? If the answer is no, then why does it make sense? <laughs> um, I mean, I put Ratchet and Clank out for, like, legit reasons. Yeah. There's no way I would give it, like, three and a half, it's a three and a half game for me sure. personally. Yeah. Like, jo- the Jones's Horizon thing is way different because it is, like, theoretical, assuming people feel this way. Like, when yeah. I score a game, I That's score... That's how you feel. Exactly. Like, For Honor, Four yeah. Star, it's a four-star game like jokingly mm-hmm. i'm like yo 10 out of right. 10 like i love this game but like if i really sit down and analyze but it, it's not I score you it. thinking about theoretical people exactly. it is you giving your own honest appraisal. Honest, analyzing yeah. the game giving it the score i think it deserves separate from my emotional mm-hmm. but it is not entirely removed it, from your no emotions. i'm not completely detached my emotion is still there mm-hmm. and but my my analytical emotion outweighs my just pure raw passion emotion right yeah i i think i talked enough about zelda earlier in terms of the the frame rate stuff yeah. helping elaborate on that right and i hope through our just if you listen to the the person who asked us if you're listening to this mm-hmm. and you listen to the earlier part of this podcast i hope i convinced you enough of the, the the dungeon issues i had with it like the atmosphere and i didn't think they were really strong um, I, I personally would wish more people would lump in. He also complained about the dungeons as well as the frame rate. The frame rate yeah. seems to get the, mm-hmm. the most Which tension. Which we all unanimously had. Yeah, but rate. like I see they're asking because it's a technical thing. He's saying games are art. Why is this frame rate thing holding it back from a, a great, a perfect score or whatever when mm-hmm. you when judge that? Like if like a painting had a mistake on it or something, is it really a mistake? I, I don't know. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole because I feel... Frame rate is not <laughs> something that, in in an in instance of this, is something subjective. It is very objective, but at the same time, the technology is part of video games, whether we like yeah. it or not. Uh, to hold it, I try. I, I try not to go too deep down that rabbit hole in, in games because I'm not a game designer. Right. I don't. I speak from my own experience, mm-hmm. and then anytime I ever say I feel something could have been done better, it's because I've seen it literally been done better in another similar type of game. Um, I don't say like I've never seen this done before, but I'm gonna theorize that you could have done this and could have done this, and it would have been a much better game. If you don't have something to, uh, for me, if I don't have yeah. something to back it up, like here's my example, I'll point out so and so game they did it like this. I felt like that would have been a nice solution to the problem I encountered in X game. It's usually the only reason I drag in other games into my review either. It's just to help illustrate a point. Um, the whole thing about like. The other how, I, I don't know if they're trying to go say something about how other people would perceive the game. Should you factor that into your review? I don't know if that was where he was going with the Jones I, I thing. I think what he's trying to say yeah, is... He? When Jones reviewed Horizon, he assumed people would be let down. And it, we shouldn't speak for yeah, Jones. Yeah, I'm, just like, using, no, not, I'm just using the body. Trying, yeah, 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 I'm just trying yeah, to yeah, see yeah. What, what was his ex- like what the writer's he, example, he, sure, what they really I mean will, by yeah, it, yeah, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. My interpretation of it because, is that... Yeah. that you have this idea of like, I know this is going to bother some people, so I'm factoring that in. Yeah, yeah. And I think what we're saying is, okay. no, it is very much our own experience. Yeah, I also think it, I think it it actually is fine to make a, a quick aside to that in your review if you can right. see that point of view because in like I feel like a critical review is also part like it's you arguing for the game's quality. Right. An argument in debate, it's usually common to acknowledge the other side yes but that's not factoring into your ultimate like decision here because you've made up your mind about it so just acknowledging hey 
you know, some people like in Zelda, I didn't say this in Zelda, but I could have put a line in there. So like some people might not be, you know, very pleased with this game and find it to not be as, you know, uh, uh, you know, good or whatever, because it breaks from the Zelda norms so, you know, radically that they might feel like it's too jarring for them. Mm-hmm. And but I like I don't feel that way, but I at least want to say like I can see that point of view and for anyone who's reading or watching my review, I those types of people, I want you to know that. But it but I think you don't maybe don't also need to say that as much anymore because if you just say what you mean and don't have to, and don't pull in those theoretical things and addressing trying to address everyone if people don't see your point of view in the review, you, you, you're done. Like they've already got what they needed out of it. Okay, you said this about it. I don't see it that way. So you've helped me make my informed decision about the game. So you don't. You didn't need to say all that extra stuff about. I could see how you could be. You know, not take this as good and stuff. I feel that's more for what we're doing right now, mm-hmm. like in a discussion video that yeah. doesn't really belong in a review. Yeah. Uh, would you give your favorite game five stars? No. Your absolute favorite game? Favorite game has flaws. But is that begs the question, is is five stars mean flawless? No. Uh Bloodborne is not my favorite game. I love Bloodborne. I would give it five stars. Sure. (laughs) Metal Gear Solid Uh, is my favorite game. I would give it five stars. I I would too. It all depends. It's case to case. But what is your favorite game? Would you give it five stars? Resident Evil 2? Yeah. I'd probably give it five stars. I would give it a two Brad? Yeah. Um, well, this is tricky because I don't have a favorite game. Yeah. Sure. When I think about some of my favorite games, like Bloodborne, I don't know if I'd give it five stars, especially when it first came out, like when you reviewed it, like the time you reviewed it and how it performed and everything like right. that and some of the shortcomings I think it has. Right. I don't know if I would have. When I think about uh, Super Mario World, probably five stars. Yeah. It's, like, it's probably a five-star game yeah. kind of thing, you know? Uh, I mean, would you give your yeah, favorite? like within our own within our scoring system, I would give Super Mario sixty four a link to the past or Metal Gear Solid, which and which is three usually my, top of my three favorite games. I'd give those five out of five stars out of the heartbeat. Yeah, when we get to that granular hundred point scale, that's what yeah. everyone. I think yeah. that's what people always yeah, want to like really I, know. Like, would you give it a hundred out of a hundred? Mario sixty four, I might have a hard time because of the camera work, even though there wasn't similar games mm-hmm. at the time. There were still moments where it was a little bit frustrating that the camera wouldn't turn where I wanted to. I'd like so to would, it be, would it be a 99 out of 100? But like A Link to the Past and, and Metal Gear Solid, I, I'm i really struggling to find a way to say like those aren't 100 out of 100 games. Like It'd, it'd be funny being a game trailer is trying to slip a 10.0 for Resident Evil 2 by Blood <laughs> <Right. laughs> Trying to slip that by. Like I know people have their differences, but to me, I, I don't have any flaws with a link to the past. Sure. Like, yeah. Yeah. Resident Evil 2 remake. Our last E3, email baby. comes in from Robert. Hi, Robert. In 2002, hello, Robert. I walked into GameStop and impulsively bought a simple and clean piece of art called Kingdom Hearts, purely based off the description like on the back of the box. And to this day, it remains my favorite game of all time. Yeah. Allies. Panel, what is the best impulse purchase you have ever made? Shadows of the Damned. You didn't know anything about it? You just bought it? Bought it. That's awesome. Just bought it. And it was great? Five stars. <laughs> I, I, um, I think the best impulse buy, maybe, 
It wasn't from me. It was from my dad. That's okay. I think it was um, Super Mario 3. I think nice. it was that. Nice. Just showed up one day? Yeah. It's pretty good. He's like, I know you like Mario. I just saw this, and I didn't know that. Like, I didn't even know about Mario 2, I think, at the time. Kind of thing. Like, mm-hmm. there's Mario 3? Because, you know, huh. I, I didn't know when games were coming out. Right. And you and just like, that day you find out that that's, <laughs> yeah. that sequel to this thing that you love is yeah. there. And yeah. Um, my favorite point in life, I'm exaggerating, but it was a really good time, is I... So how I fell in love with games is I, I had this babysitter and they had an NES and I didn't know what video games really were. Like I, I was aware of them, but I'd never experienced them. And I just, they showed it to me one day and they're like, oh yeah, check it out if you want. And I was, I, I was like, no, this is, this is, per- this is all I want. I want more of this. And I just begged my parents to just get me whatever the latest video game console was. And they're like, no, you don't need a game console, but we'll, I guess we'll let you rent a PlayStation. And so I remember very vividly that day, walking through the Blockbuster, just scanning the shelves, not yeah. knowing... I, I didn't know anything about any of the games, yeah. but one call out to me. I could get two games. The first I got was Mega Max 4. Great video game. But the second one was Parappa the Rapper. <laughs> nice. And I was playing Parappa the Rapper, and it still has this effect on me to this day, and Kyle could speak uh, to this much better, but I was like, video games are cool. <laughs> And when I play Parappa the Rapper, it's that same response. Yeah. Video games are cool. Are these like purchases you have to have known nothing about the game before? Or like never heard of the games? He says impulsive. Um, And the only reason why I think we've kind of been gravitating to not having knowledge of is he said that he went in and just read the box. Just like the box, the box. Hmm. You don't don't really think about it. Man, I don't really have a lot like that in my kind of life. That was how I found Ratchet and Clank. Yeah, I had a job in high school, so I had like disposable income where I could just buy games. So like the PS2 era, oh, jeez, did I buy a ton of games? But I remember being in a GameStop box, just staring at the box, and then dude had a gun. It's like cool, <laughs> knew nothing about Ratchet and Clank, and then was just holy crap. Oh, yeah. This is like my favorite. Sorry, I got one too now. Okay. It's same era. Uh, it was Sly Cooper. Nice. I didn't know anything about it. I just saw it and I was like, oh, this looks fun. And it was. And I loved Sly. I love Sly Cooper. Yeah, Damiani. So I had an impulse rental that led to an immediate buy. Sure. Yeah, I guess because I can't because I can't think of yeah. a, an impulse buy uh, when I when I was younger and I would have been more prone to doing that. I rented games from Blockbuster. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, Arc the Lad, Twilight of the Spirits for PlayStation Ooh. Two. I just saw that box art. I saw the logo. I was like, I've seen some of these games before on PlayStation 1, but they didn't look as cool as this. But I saw, like, uh, Karg and Dark on the cover, like, in these, like, this dragon-looking dude and, like, the human next to him. I was like, I get to be a dragon guy? And I'm going to, like, okay, this looks pretty cool. Then I looked at the back, and I saw, like, the combat. It's like, isn't, like, your standard combat. It's like, it's, like, more real-time RPG with, like, Re- moving around in like an air, I was like, "Wait, what? It's not turn-based. You don't stand still when you fight." I was like, "All right, let's try this out." And I love that battle system. I was like, "What?" Like I hadn't seen anything different from like turn-based RPGs mm-hmm. before that. Like I was not very diverse, and mm-hmm. I saw that. I was like, "Yes." I remember so that. I rented it, and I was like, went on eBay, eBay when I didn't have money, and bought it off eBay used. I was like, "How much?" Yes. 
I don't remember. I could dig through my history and find out someday. Yes. Give me an update. Uh, yeah. Uh, Next time update. you're in Fridge Shop, I'm going to ask you. But. Give me an update. Somewhere oh, with like man. Grandia too. I remember just like picking that game yep, up. Same. I do have a quick Impressed. question. Uh-huh. Impulse buys. Can you, Impulse buys are can like. Can you read the, the first few, uh, the first sentence again from that? I want to I know a certain piece of information. I think I know what you're after. In 2002, I walked into GameStop. We're cool. Thank you. Thank you very much. What? Wait a minute. What? what? Sleuth over here. That was not what I was expecting. Give me, give me, what, why did you need to know that? What um, were you looking for? If you walked into a GameStop in 2002, Brad Lealis. Yeah. What was it? And you tried to buy the game mentioned in this story. Uh-huh. I think you might have had a problem. 2002? Was it out by Kingdom then? Hearts? Wasn't Kingdom Hearts... Was it... Was it 03? In North America... Was it 03? We might, I, it might have been 2002. I just, we got to know. Came, we got to know. It came out when I'm, we were a sophomore, yeah. I think, Mike. So, I, I need uh, to know. 03. I think it was 3. I got to know. Unless it was the maybe, first maybe, movie. Maybe, yeah, no, the thing is, I, and I hope I don't reveal too much about them, They might. this might be someone from Japan. Oh. Oh. That's why I was I got to know. We, we shouldn't fact check on this show, but we're at the end. I was about to say, like, I, I, I'm not questioning the, the story. I'm sh- I'm definitely sure this happened, but like, this nope. What we gotta know? Okay, here we go. Here we go. Oh, I thought you said nope. We were wrong. Sorry. Do it. Expand that release list. Damiani, Japan. Sleuth. March twenty eighth, two thousand two. North America, September seventeenth, two thousand two. We owe you an apology. We do. I Maybe do. I was a I freshman do. then. Huh. That's going to do it. That exciting Kingdom Hearts fact check is going to close out this yeah. episode. Yeah. We just wanted a reason to talk about Kingdom Hearts yeah. more. <laughs> We're Think sorry. So. Uh, Love and respect. Thank you all <laughs> for sticking around this long. I, I, I say this every time, but I'm really getting a good vibe out of this episode. I hope yeah. that comes across. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want more of us... Uh, you can find us on patreon.com slash easy allies is the best way to support us. Give a dollar, keep this train rolling, keep those diapers flowing. The diaper See, fun. I already oh forgot about God. the diapers. From these diapers. <laughs> I can't wait for the fan art, baby. Yeah, send your fan fan art. Art. Please send us fan art. art at all of our Twitter handles. Twitch.tv slash easy allies. We appreciate the support. We appreciate the love. We love all of you. Until. I don't wear the diaper. Until (laughs) next time. (laughs)